Yeah. I thought the classics had to be good before they became. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Thought provoking, funny, but mostly just entertaining. With nearly 100 years of combined life experience, prepare to listen in on excitement, intrigue, absurdity. This is the David Allen Show. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? I just want to say Saturday in Iraq is what I think that sounds like. <laughs> in Iraq, this is the David Allen Show, episode, uh, yeah, 47, I think. Yeah, I think so. 47? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we've made it a week and a day. Past doomsday, I think. And we're not dead. <laughs> I'm still here. From Sun what I can tell, most people are still fine. Uh, it could be wrong, though. Yeah. However, yeah. Um, I'm going to say I'm wrong. It's time for Donald Trump to resign as president. <laughs> Admittedly, it's been an interesting couple of days. But for any patriotic American capable of he went to Cornell and not getting one and a half million... This is enough. Trump has proved that not only will he lie to America about anything big or small, but that just as importantly, he will lie to himself about anything big or small. A man who could accuse the Central Intelligence Agency of trying to undermine him and ask rhetorically of the conduct of that agency, quote, are we living in Nazi Germany? A man who could do that. And then 10 days later, go and stand in front of the shrine of its fallen agents and insist with a straight face, with every word he said and motion that he made suggesting he really believes this, he could say, quote, they sort of made it sound like I had a feud with the intelligence community. And I just want to let you know the reason you're the number one stop is it is exactly the opposite. A man who could insist to those same men and women at the CIA that it stopped raining the moment he started to give his inaugural address when you saw the rain falling on him. That is the kind of man who could convince himself that it would be just fine to start a nuclear war because, of course, he would survive the retaliatory attack, and so would his family, and so would whatever people he thinks are his friends, or to use his word, his fans. Of course they would all survive the retaliation because he's Donald Trump. And bad things cannot happen to Donald Trump. At the CIA, Trump told the agents there that he has, quote, a running war with the media. He does not have a running war <laughs> with the media. He has a running war with reality. His reality is what he says it is. He has an advisor who came out and said Sunday that when you deliberately contradict reality, that that is not lying or deceiving, but rather that's using, quoting her, alternative facts. You try alternative facts in your life for one hour. Let me know how it goes. Drive on whichever side of the road you want to. Stop wearing the safety glasses. Let the kids use the stove and the power tools. Write checks for money you don't have. Because ignoring the warnings and instructions is not courting a disaster, it's just a set of alternative facts. This is crazy. 
you knew this before that speech at the CIA or this crazy argument about how big the crowds at the inauguration were or whether it was sunny and only he could see that it was sunny. You may have even known this before you voted for him and you just hoped it was going to go away when he took over. But it isn't going away. It's getting worse. He's crazy. We will all be lucky to survive having had him in charge. And even if we do survive, it will still be the greatest crisis of our lives. All our lives. <laughs> Look, I don't want a President Pence, but I will take him and his policies. And I'll fight the policies, but the man, we can debate the man in 2020 in the election. This is not about policies or conservative or no, or no. systems or marches no, no. or making Wait America great again. It's about this the hair. is about a man. I mean, the man. Not in his right mind. So, we can't me, debate Trump in the election. We can't allow the election to rule, but it's okay. We'll have Pence because we can debate him in the election in 2020. Didn't we just debate Trump in the election? Yep. Yep. I think this is this is great. This this tells you um if if this is if this is where they're going right now to try to undermine Trump, that's <laughs> great because they're fabricating stuff. They're coming up you you can say whatever you want about him going to the CIA, but um you are assuming a whole lot of stuff <clears throat> about that. And the fact that that is what they're uh, what they're complaining about, I think, if I if I was in the Trump administration, I'd be like, fine, let them talk. They got nothing, you know. <clears throat> uh, Steve Bannon, the senior White House advisor, he's made quite a few headlines for labeling the media as the opposition party. Is he alt right? Is that right. what it is? <clears throat> but comments like his are not new. They're certainly not exclusive to conservatives. In '09. The former, now former President Obama, his communication director, Anita Dunn, said to the then new Democratic administration uh, that they plan to treat, as the quote, treat Fox News the way we treat an opponent. It's kind of opposition to me. I mean, the reality of it, of it is that Fox News often operates almost as either the research arm or the communications arm of the Republican Party. What? When they want to treat us like they treat everyone else, well, but let's not pretend they are news network the way CNN is. Ah! <laughs> so, <laughs> so when CNN gets called out as fake news by the actual president, it's kind of funny because really none of this matters. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all bull crap. I, I don't even know how liberals can uh, respect CNN. Um I mean, because if you talk to well, conservatives, a lot of conservatives will go, okay, yeah, Fox News is conservative. It's close. It's, it's not. It's opposite. But liberals will say that CNN and MSNBC are just right in the middle, if not a little conservative. I right, mean, yeah. you know, so they're well, living it's, it's in law. It's because land. the people on there say things they like, but they still are far farther right than they want yeah, to be. Yeah. So it's true. Oh, yeah, they're, more, they're moderate. The problem is they're moderate. <laughs> Would be saying yes. that someone who is six foot nine is short. Yeah. Because they're not six foot ten. Yeah. Um is that like so going back to a clip from way back, um, if we thought that we were six ten and we're not and people disagreed we, with that, would that be should, sizeism? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Or heightism. 
Hydeism. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, apparently, what here's what Steve Bannon said. The media should be embarrassed and humiliated and keep its mouth shut and just listen for a while. Now, I'm fine if they just straight up report. Mm-hmm. But I'd like them to shut up with their opinions. That'd be great for a while and figure out what if they're even close to reality. But don't don't you think that the way they've reported it contributed to Trump winning? Oh, clearly. Okay. Then why would you want them to stop? <laughs> Well, well, no. Well, the truth, but the thing is, it shows who, like, it shows the stupidity of them. Yes, yes. And Trump just beat them at their own game by yeah. going to, around them with Twitter. Yeah. And yep. it worked. It wor- he went around the RNC with Twitter. Yeah. I mean, every Republican opponent got their butt handed to them because mm-hmm. he didn't go through the channels. Yep. All across the board. And I think, based on what he's been doing now, he's still not going through all the channels. Yeah. It's great. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm just astonished. Um, day one, you know, the this last week and a day, all the stuff that he's done. I thought for sure that when he when he came in, a lot of these things, like the wall, you know, I thought yeah, it's, it's a talking point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he, <laughs> and I'm like, nope. oh my goodness, this is this is not. I don't think in any way, shape, or form, this is not the powers. That bees candidate. So uh, I'm going to play this, but uh, it's in Spanish, and so I'll just read what it says underneath it also. But just so you can hear, this is what's Enrique Peña Nieto. Yeah, the president. The pres, or... pres of Mexico. Yeah. Uh, this is put out uh, January 26, uh, delivering a strong message after Trump signed the executive order to build a wall along the border with Mexico. I am saddened. And I'm against the decision by the United States to continue with the construction of a wall that for years, far from joining us, has divided us. Mexico does not believe in walls. I have said time and time again, Mexico will not pay for any wall. These executive orders also occur at a moment in which our country is initiating talks to negotiate new rules of cooperation, commerce, investment, security, immigration in the North American region. That this negotiation is very important for strength, certainty, and the future of our economy and our society. Mexico offers and demands respect. That wall, that border has divided us more than brought us together. <clears throat> Duh! What's a border for? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. If I go to Mexico and I don't have the proper paperwork, what happens to me? You get kicked out. Hey, or thrown in jail. Um, If I go to Mexico <laughs> and I have an AR in my vehicle as I cross the border, Ooh. I go to prison in Mexico. And in prison, a lot of horrible things happen to me in Mexico. On the flip side, if you come here and are uh, commit a crime, did just... you want a driver's license? Yeah, exactly. Do you need a green card? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> uh, so, back to the election a little bit. Anyway, Trump, Trump and do, do, do Nieto or whatever they're Peña Nieto. It's easy for you. To are say. having a feud, I guess. 
Apparently, the Mexican president like a f- canceled like a f- canceled a meeting, like because a feud, a feud, yeah. feud, not food, a feud, feud. Okay, I mean small a feud. Feud. Senate Democrats uh, geared up for battle, for battle with Trump, Trump, the prez, huh. by preparing to talk to people who voted for him, and by hearing from one of his arch nemesis. Gathering in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, Democrats were scheduled to hear Thursday from liberal political operative David Brock, the Center for American mm. Progress, CEO Neera Tanden, and Priorities USA CEO Guy Cecil in a session called, quote, Hold Trump Accountable. Earlier in the day, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, he's a Dem- Dem- Democrat, uh, moderated a discussion with Trump voters according to a draft schedule obtained by Politico. Manchin and nine other state Democrats are up for re-election next year in states that Trump won. Much of the event appears geared at figuring out how to turn people who supported Trump into Democratic voters in 2018. Former Kentucky Governor Steve Bashir, Democrat, also along with Senators Heidi Heitkamp, who is a Democrat in North Dakota, and Michael Bennett, Democrat from Colorado, held a session on speaking to those who feel invisible in rural America, according to the schedule. Other sessions were also similar lines, um, quote, listening to those who feel unheard, and rising America, they feel unheard too. On Thursday, Senator Chris Van Holland, Democrat in Maryland, uh, Maryland? He was the, who was he? Was he the Democratic whip for a while? Who? The Democratic whip Oh, in the what's Senate. his name? Chris Van Hollen. Mm, boy, I don't know. He was, yeah, he was a, he's the lapdog for Harry Reid, I think. Well, I think they all are, were. Uh, he will discuss political <clears throat> tactics for the midterm election, and Democrats will strategize on how to define themselves and Trump. Senators Elizabeth Warren, and Tim Kaine, and Joe Donnelly, all Democrats from Massachusetts, Virginia, and Indiana, will talk about triangulating Trump. I just think they've tried to think of a bunch of cool names for things. Yeah. Hey, that sounds good. Let's try mm. triangle. That's it. Triangulating I need a T word. Emphasizing that they can go around Republicans by trying to work with Trump on infrastructure, outsourcing, and trade. Finally, Diane Feinstein, Senator Democrat from California, don't know how she gets reelected every year, but will prep Democrats on how to engage against Republicans over Trump's Supreme Court pick, which is expected to come momentarily. On Wednesday evening, Senator Brian Schatz, Democrat Hawaii, led a wine and cheese reception. Then Democrats went to a presentation about Harper's Ferry called September Suspense, Lincoln's Union in Peril. (laughs) Reporters were not allowed to attend this. So Democrats are trying to learn how to talk to each other. That's neat. That's going to fail. That has to fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, because they don't, I mean, I, I would think the the very first thing you have to do is understand your opponent and not cast judgments when you're understanding your opponent. Like, for instance. What, you mean listening? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Lame. If you go, if, if um, when we invaded Afghanistan, if we looked at them simply as savages or just evil people, um, for whatever reason, and we would throw bombs at it. We could maybe kill them, but there's no way that we could um, diminish any type of insurgency because 
you are attributing things to them or you don't care what they think, they're wrong. But if you actually get down and you can talk to them and you can understand what makes them tick, which requires you, like you said, Double listening. A What's that? Double A battery. Double A. And just sit and listen to them and understand and put yourself in their positions, in their shoes. You might go, okay, I can understand why a human being would act this way. They're not a monster. They're just a human being in a certain situation, raised a certain way. And so then you could address different things. It, with When it comes to Trump followers, nobody's doing that. Nobody is trying to put their fo- their uh, put themselves in their position or understand why in the world they would vote for him in the first place. So they are going to fail, and they're going to continually fail until they change that. And that's just... That's just the way it is. So I would predict that coming up soon, um, they're going to get some of this out of their system, and they're going to get a few wise people who come in and actually kind of do what uh, what uh, Mike Michael Moore did when he was warning that Trump was going to win. I don't know if you remember, he, he would uh, talk about it, and when you would listen to him, it almost sounded like he supported Trump. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't what he was doing. He was basically putting himself in in middle America's shoes and understanding why they would support him. But until they do that, they're always going to lose. I mean, they'll get, I shouldn't say always, they're not going to change any minds. So it, it'll just be more and more entrenched and more and more, you know, the right, left, and a huge gap between the two of them. Alt, alt. Alt, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> The Prez has signed numerous executive orders, which is not un- uncommon, unfortunately, in our... Uh, the press? The press the prez, has? The press. Oh, the press. Prez. Yeah. Um, hey, I called Barry that. I'll call Donald that. It's okay. fine. No. Those, those folks. Those folks. Idiots. The folks. Um, he signed several executive orders. One of them was to uh, rethink, I believe, the XL, Keystone XL pipeline. Yep. I kind of say get it back on track to running, like to authorize it. I don't know if it actually said, yes, go for it, or if it's Mm -hmm. then now let's let's reopen this discussion. Um, And the Dakota Access Pipeline. Hmm. Which Obama stepped in because the protesters were so powerful. This January 25th, this article, after a unanimous vote Friday, leaders of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe issued a statement asking all Dakota Access Pipeline protesters to vacate their camps by January 30 and to cancel plans for a winter camp. The Tribal Council is prepared to ask federal law enforcement to help aid in the evacuation. Protesters had taken up residence in the district of Cannonball, North Dakota, located near construction sites for the Dakota Access Pipeline, a 1,000-mile underground oil pipeline that some native groups and protesters feel poses an environmental threat. Oh, dear. A group organized on the Standing Rock Indian Reservation successfully sued for an injunction to halt construction, and a protest at the site during the process garnered worldwide attention. Yes. The vote Friday was to support the District of Cannonball, where some of the protesters of the Dakota Access Pipeline have been living for as long as six months. <laughs> Who is funding that? I don't know. 
Cannonball residents are reportedly frustrated with the closure of an essential bridge that is the main route to work and hospital services. You, you know who are the real heroes here? The um, the employers who let these people yeah, leave just their have job for six, months. For six yeah. months at a time. To go Those are the heroes here. Park themselves on someone yeah. else's land. As well as the state of the Cannonball Gym, which has been used as an emergency shelter for protesters. There's also been growing concern over alcohol and drug use believed to be tied to the camps. No kidding. So you're saying there's alcohol and drug use on a Indian reservation? No, no, this is a protest camp. Oh, okay. It's worse right. with the protesters, apparently. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk <clears throat> about that addiction in yeah, a second. That's, that's uh, funny. Get, the, get out of here. You're making it worse. <laughs> the Bismarck Tribune reported, all the individuals at all the camps in and around Cannonball need to leave the district. Residents wrote in a 10-point resolution passed during an executive session of a district meeting Wednesday night, quote, the building of an alternative site for the camp within the Cannonball District is not needed or wanted. If there is to be any kind of a site for the commemoration of this historic event that took place with all the tribes, the people of Standing Rock need to vote on where, what, and cost before any shanty town is built. That from the Bismarck Tribune. The decision by the tribe comes after they won a decisive victory in December that halted construction of a pipeline slated to be built near their reservation. Near, not on, near. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers called for a more complete environmental analysis of a dammed section of the Missouri River before it agrees to allow Energy Transfer Partners to continue building its $3.8 billion pipeline over tribal concerns that the pipeline could rupture and contaminate the water. The tribes further say the pipeline, quote, threatens the tribe's environmental and economic well-being and would damage and destroy sites of his great historic, religious, and cultural significance to the tribe. In the wake of that decision, Standing Rock Tribal Chairman Dave Archambault asked protesters to return home as the winter storms moved in and the issue transitioned from a protest to a legal battle. President Trump, who signed a, an executive order Tuesday aimed at restarting construction on both the Dakota Access Pipeline and the hotly contested Keystone XL Pipeline, has not responded specifically to the Army Corps of Engineers' mandate requesting an environmental impact assessment. Without getting specific and citing a desire not to get in front of what the president might uh, ultimately do, uh, White House press spokeshole Sean Spicer uh, said Wednesday that he thought Trump may attempt to overrule that decision. Now, the Standing Rock tribe voted to say protesters go home. Yeah. Why aren't they going home? Because uh, it doesn't fit. You got famous uh, because of the challenge you laid out to Hillary Clinton. If Hillary Clinton had a different position on coal mining, would you have voted for her? No, sir. Why not? Um, on, the, on the very fact alone of, of pro-life. You guys are Christians and very proud of it. As a Christian couple, how can you support a Donald Trump when you know the, the fear he strikes into the hearts of American Muslim children, American uh, Latino children, how do you round that circle? Sorry, we, it hits kind of close to home to her. Some of her family won't speak to me right now um, because of my support of Donald Trump. And uh, That's inclusive. Muslim American family. 
her, her sister's married to a Jordanian man. And, uh, you know, they never expressed their fears to us beforehand as far as, um, but then. And I wouldn't want anybody to think just because someone's in office that it's not a, a dictatorship. This is still America. It is still awesome. God put it here for a reason. And it's a, it's a country of immigrants. You can't say we're not going to let anybody in, but it has to be done the right, responsible way. But um, I would like to ask Donald Trump, you know, what are you going to say to those people who are scared? Really? Now, who, so, who are they? Uh, well, Van Jones was interviewing some uh, Trump voters. How can you be a Christian and vote for Donald Trump? <laughs> this his point. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I, uh... So did they vet... They had to have vetted these people beforehand. <laughs> they had to... Well, okay, you're going to go on... What's that? MSNBC? Where's he at? CNN? Where's Van Jones at? Uh, I, I don't know if actually anybody knows because <laughs> nobody actually watches it, right? For anyone to go on there that's actually conservative and be willing to sit through that dribble, I just don't think. Well, yeah, they're they're not going to have somebody with a solid grasp no. of things. So, uh, Going back, sorry, uh, I kind of thought that was tied into the pipeline, but it was more coal. Um, well, same principle. Oh, kind of. the uh, Up on the, the reservations. Mm -hmm. This page on the face bag got shared uh, by someone I know. Uh, it's called Find Your Power. There's a website called FindYourPowerSD.com. Now, what I oh. found interesting here was just the wording they use in their post January 1 on Facebook. Together, we can overcome addiction to commercial tobacco. Find your power. Find a way to stop. So if it's non-commercial tobacco, it's okay. If you if you roll your own, it's okay. <laughs> well, or, or if you're buying the Indian tobacco, well, it's okay. They smoke but it's the peace the pipe. Commercial tobacco that's bad. Yeah. Together, we can overcome the commercial or addiction to commercial tobacco. Wow, I found that wording just to be amazing. Well, they have a thing. How to? Yeah. Yeah, it's here. How to quit commercial tobacco. Whoa. And it's 10 steps. <laughs> Let's have them. Number one, get help. Most of us can't <laughs> yep. quit commercial tobacco. Well, they don't say it. They say it alone. Talk to someone, family, friends, doctors, quit line coaches. They are here to help you. Use medicine. The patch, gum, heroin. Um, oh. or if, I'm, no, I'm sorry. Oh. I, I thought it's it Oxycontin. That's better. It said yep. other medicines. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, Oxycontin. That's a medicine. <clears throat> Help someone else do it. Share your stories. Share your strategies and stand together. If you fall, get up, get back up, and keep fighting. When you're addicted, it's not hard to use tobacco. Oh, you mean oh, commercial, commercial tobacco? When you are stressed, upset, or just need to relax, setbacks happen. Don't let them stop you from fighting back if you smoke don't switch to chewing but what if it's non-commercial chew uh they 
I'm assuming that would be fine. Okay. Yeah. They said a can of spit tobacco can be more addictive than a pack of cigarettes because it contains more nicotine. Ooh. One can holds as much nicotine as 80 cigarettes. How many? Is there 20 in a pack? Yeah. So that's four mm. packs. Yikes. If you chew, don't switch to smoking. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, smoking kills more people than alcohol, car crashes, AIDS, but legal drugs. But it doesn't drugs. have as much nicotine. True. <laughs> True. You got to smoke four packs to get as much nicotine. Yeah. To me, this is this is funny. This is really funny that it's commercial. Uh-huh. I mean, that's really funny, Alan, just because <laughs> you know they as part of their religious like, Wait a second. Activities. Smoking's part of the game. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um oh, oh, here's the big one. Here's the big one. Drum roll, please. Remember the children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There is no safe level of exposure to secondhand commercial tobacco smoke. <laughs> Causes immediate harm to non-smokers of commercial tobacco, including but in, bronchitis. in the chairman's teepee, it's fine. It's different. Remember your ancestors. What? There, <laughs> here, oh. here we go. There is nothing traditional or sacred about using commercial tobacco. <laughs> So that's it. Okay. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Remember who wants to keep you addicted. Why? The tobacco industry spends about $23.6 million in South Dakota to market its deadly products. They aren't just taking your money. They're also taking your life. And number 10, call the quit line. Well, hold on. If they're taking your life, you could sue them. Yeah. Yes. So yes, why, don't, why, why don't we sue them? That, and not just sue them. That would be a hate crime, would it not? Yes. Because you are aimed, trying to destroy... Yeah. An entire species, of a race of people. Yeah. Hmm. So. Culture. Yeah. That's And 10? Oh, uh, 10, 10 was a call quit line. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Then they have um, Keep It Sacred page. Did you see that? It's... It starts out and it says, when we talk about your power, referring to the kind of power Crazy Horse had, talked about Crazy Horse. Um, uh, He said, Crazy Uh. Horse was born near Rapid Creek in the mid-1800s. We can't show you his picture because no photographs were ever taken. We can't show you his handwriting because he never signed a treaty or any other official document. Crazy Horse only wanted to protect his people and their way of life and never needed or wanted or needed anything from any other culture but his own. That's why we're fairly sure he would have never wanted anything to do with commercial tobacco because his people have a powerful sacred tobacco (laughs) tradition all their own. For tribes throughout North America, the use of traditional tobacco for spiritual, ceremonial, medicinal purposes. Traditional (laughs) tobacco among the northern Plains tribes is not the same as commercial tobacco, such as cigarettes or spit tobacco. <laughs> South Dakota tribes you use kansasa, which comes from red willow bark. Among South Dakota tribes, tobacco is an important part of spiritual life. Tobacco keep helps uh, connect the human experience by creating a means of communicating with the spirit world and the creator. Traditional Tobacco is smoked using ceremonial pipes, and the smoke is not inhaled. What? Uh, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) 
have sexual <laughs> relations with that woman. <laughs> I never inhaled. I did not. <laughs> Pipe design varies among the different tribes. So if you take bark off of a, a willow tree and smoke it, you can, that turns it into tobacco? Yes. Or are they saying anything that you burn and breathe the, the smoke from is tobacco? Tobacco is a it's plant. actually a plant. Traditional tobacco versus commercial. Um, oh, there's a breakdown of this? Yeah. Um, okay, the difference. Traditional, not inhaled. Commercial, inhaled. Traditional, sacred. Commercial, not sacred. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> you know, my moonshine is sacred. <laughs> Drink it up. But this other one that someone else sells is not sacred. No, no. Traditional, not easy to get or convenient, scarce. Commercial, easy and convenient. So that makes it commercial. It's easy to get. Well. Traditional, simple, humble, common, not flashy. No way. Commercial, fast, rushed. Traditional, spiritual. Commercial for profit. Traditional, not addictive. Commercial, it's addictive, man. Uh, Traditional, natural. Wild in a state of nature. Commercial, unnatural, processed, has additives, harmful. Harmful. (laughs) That's its own point, harmful. Hmm. Traditional, listen to this, no additives and absence of negative (laughs) health consequences. (laughs) Prove prove that. (laughs) Or if you're going to prove the other way, how do you you say that, that there's none? No, negative. Does that mean like it's healthy? Yes. A absence, negative health absence or, of negative health consequences. So is it's this actually an, good SNL for you. Skit? No, no. <laughs> this is legit. Findyourpowersd.com. And commercial diseases related to product include cancer, emphysema, heart disease, breathing problems, preterm birth, mouth cancer, and SIDS. SIDS. Don't let SIDS. your don't let your baby smoke. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Traditional used in a respectful manner. Commercial not used with respect. Yeah, they put it in that package and make it nice and easy to grab. <laughs> or chew. Traditional red, commercial brown. Okay. So the picture they have down there, it's not red. Not red not at all. Not red. It's kind of a tan color, kind of a greenish tan. Yeah. But maybe, yeah. Mm. Traditional, deliberative. Mm. Thoughtful. So last I knew, most people, it's a deliberate thing to go smoke because you have to walk outside. Yes, you that's right. Hold yep. on. Yep. Hold on. I'm okay. Yep. I got I to go smoke. Yep. You're right. See, that's <laughs> another lie that we've... <clears throat> Commercial broad consumption by general population. Traditional appropriateness. Commercial recreational. And huh. Appropriateness? Okay. Traditional with awareness, commercial for pleasure. Traditional used in moderation, commercial casual. Traditional generosity, commercial Satan. Wakasita. Wakasika. The bad spirit. Traditional used in community and social context. Commercial used individually as a personal choice. So the traditional, you smoke in everyone else's space. Commercial, or commercial, you just do it for yourself in your own time. Yeah. 
But it's a good kind of smoke inhalation. It's not the bad kind. No, you don't inhale. You yeah. forgot. You missed it. Um. <laughs> and then they had some comments on the side talking about traditional, quote-unquote, traditional tobacco. Um, Just Taken Alive, Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. That Yes, that's his name, Just Taken Alive. No. It, it has no chemicals. There's nothing in there that a person can get addicted to other than prayer. Uh, Richard Moves Camp from Lakota Pine Ridge, uh, Native American <laughs> Reservation, says... The equivalent of Christian sin in the Indian traditional sense is breaking one's commitment to the pipe. When one prays with a pipe, he is obliged to do it in a good way, not for evil purposes. The pipe brings harmony between men when they smoke it. You can't lie through the pipe. To go against these things is a sin. And finally, Bryant High Horse says, my son came home from Iraq. He went to the VA doctors, and there they found cancer below his knee. It was devastating news, and they were going to cut off his leg. He said, what do you think? I said, we have prayers. We have a way of life. So we went to ceremony and gave medicine, tobacco ties. We made them. We hung them up, and everybody knew. All the friends that went to sweat and Sundance, they started praying, and then I went to the Sundance tree and offered tobacco. And a week later, the doctor calls him and said, you're cancer-free. Learn more about Crazy Horse. Wow. Huh. We'll come back to that. That intrigues (laughs) me just slightly. (laughs) Is this the David Allen Show? soundtrack is this a classic no this this is a potential new classic potential got it from we are leo is that the name of the group oh so uh 
that last little uh, anecdote you um, gave yeah. led me to believe that traditional tobacco is a cancer uh, drug. Like, eliminate cancer, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Right? You're right? Yeah. <clears throat> so the tobacco companies should get behind this and say, wait a second. We, we want to sell traditional tobacco. And we want our money back because tobacco actually cures cancer rather no, than causes no, it. No, Commercial tobacco doesn't. Oh. Traditional oh. tobacco okay. does. Okay. All right. That, that's That's fair. like saying commercial peaches or traditional peaches. Tobacco is a plant, isn't it? Well, right. If, if their point is, it's all the additives that make it bad, but that's what makes it commercial. Okay, say that then. Just say the the in the commercial sense, all the other crap that's in it. If that's what they're saying, great. Well, they said they get it off of red willow bark, <laughs> right? Which is not tobacco. That's a smoky thing. But the red willow bark is that an example of it, or is yeah, that? Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Mm. Let's consult. What history did for more about, about the sacred use of tobacco? Download our PDF. I'm downloading it. Oh man, 17 megabytes! Yikes! It ain't little. <coughs> this is the David Allen Show, though. DavidAllenShow.com. Uh, well, again, we have no issues, none, with the native tribes of this, these Northern America, but. It just, it, words matter, and it's just interesting to us that this is the verbiage they use. Well, commercial tobacco is bad, but but traditional tobacco is good yeah. and will save you from cancer. That's kind of a bold statement. Well, it's anecdotal, but... Right. Well, they didn't put the tobacco on the person. They offered it to a tree. <laughs> oh, so you? Oh no, it comes from. Um, okay, I'm on keepitsacred.itcmi.org, and traditional tobacco is tobacco and/or other plant mixtures grown or harvested and used by American Indians and Alaska natives for ceremonial or medicinal purposes. Traditional tobacco has been used by American Indian nations for centuries as a medicine with cultural and spiritual importance. Many tribes maintain teachings and stories on the origin of tobacco. These teachings address tobacco in its purest form, today known as the tobacco plant Nicotiana rustica, and may include mixtures of other native plants. So it sounds like it is actual tobacco. Traditional tobacco among the Northern Plains tribes is not the same as commercial tobacco, such as cigarettes or spit tobacco. South Dakota tribes use kansasa, which comes from red willow bark. Growing along creek beds, these red willow trees have a deep red bark that makes them easy to find during winter harvest. Larger branches are cut, and the outer bark is shaved off, exposing a green film which is stripped off and the green shavings are then dried. Kansasa may contain a mixture of herbs and berries and can be mixed with kinikinik, bare root, berries, rose hips and petals, grape leaves, or white ash. Among South Dakota tribes, tobacco is an important part of spiritual life. Tobacco helps connect the human experience by providing a means of communication with the spirit world and the creator. 
Traditional uses of tobacco include the following. Helping in the journey back to the spirit world. So when you die, uh, offerings and gifts to elders and others. Offerings to Mother Earth. Blessings. Ceremonial pipe. Prayer. Bug repellent. Keeping evil spirits away. Now, I smoke a pipe for bug repellent. Yeah, Quote, it has no chemicals. There's nothing in there that a person can get addicted to. So, so people that, uh, other that than, bug you will stay away? <laughs> uh, other than prayer, it says. Mm. So you, it will help you get addicted to prayer. That's from Just Taken Alive. Is that the one you, you saw? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Tobacco was also used for healing and medicinal purposes. Some uses include relieving chills and fevers, headaches, toothaches, healing cuts or burns, muscle soreness, and ear infections. I want some of this stuff. Traditional tobacco is smoked using ceremonial pipes, and the smoke is not inhaled. Pipe design varies among the different tribes, with pipe stems often made of ash or sumac, and pipe bowls carved from various types of stone and clay. Kansasa is used to pray to the four directions and the creator. It also is used in tobacco ties as an offering to the spirits. A tobacco tie is a small sacred bundle to hold the tobacco. Making a tie for the tobacco makes it easier to carry, to make an offering of tobacco to another person, and to hold on to for longer periods of time. Offerings of loose tobacco are made as well, in particular to the sacred fire. The ties are also burned so that spirits can receive the kansasa. When kansasa is smoked, prayers are carried up in the form of smoke. Kansasa is sacred and the smoke is not inhaled. There is no known health risks with native tobacco when native tobacco is used in a sacred and respectful manner. The age at which sacred tobacco is typically introduced to children and when adolescents start to use kansasa varies. Children who are involved in Lakota traditional customs are introduced to sacred tobacco at a very young age through prayer offerings and tobacco ties. As for actually smoking kansasa with the sacred pipe, this is usually done after the child completes their man or womanhood ceremony mm. when the child reaches puberty, or if the traditional healer sees that the child has reached a certain maturity level. If the child is too young to smoke the sacred pipe, the pipe holder will touch the child on the head with the pipe to receive those prayers. Mm. Interesting. <clears throat> so what it sounds like is that Traditional tobacco is used merely as a tool. That it's not for the smoking; it's for the ceremony around the smoking. Sure, they yeah. don't say it, but is there any psychoactive properties to mm. this? Well, and here's another thought: if the tobacco was never inhaled, if the smoke, you'd have to do it sublingual. Chewing tobacco is theoretically absorbed in the mouth. Okay. If you suck in smoke and hold it in your mouth, you get absorbed chemicals, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, when I was a young lad. Yes, back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. When you were... <laughs> my, my parents smoked a lot, and so... Yeah, um, blame them. <laughs> so we would sometimes oh. steal some cigarettes and <gasps> go somewhere and smoke them. <laughs> but see, I never inhaled it because... I mean, terrible. who would inhale that? Would that I know. You know, yeah. so I would just do the, you know, the puff, puff it into my yeah. mouth. Yeah. And after a short period of time, I'm like, you know, woozy. You know that it's spinning because I'm getting nicotine in my system. Or, or you're going. 
You're <laughs> hyperventilating yourself, and so you just. <laughs> no, I. That's you, true. I mean, you get mm-hmm. you get some. Yeah. So if there is, hmm, yeah, I wonder. Most indigenous nations have traditional stories explaining how tobacco was introduced to their communities, many of which emphasize the sacred properties of the plant, which holds both the power to heal if used properly and the power to cause harm if used improperly. An example of one of those traditional stories is the Lakota creation story from Chief Arvo Looking Horse of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, keeper of the sacred Kanunjapa pipe. What? Yep. Well, no, Kanun- what did you say? What? It's... it's no, no, what? <laughs> this is quite the story. Stories of tobacco's origins are as varied as the tribes that use tobacco. But these stories all have a single common theme. Tobacco is sacred and ought to be used with respect. For tribes throughout North America, the use of traditional tobacco for spiritual, ceremonial, and medicinal purposes goes back thousands of years. There are many types of what is called tobacco. The most commonly known form of tobacco is derived from the tobacco plant. Is this what you read a second ago? Yeah. This type of tobacco is commercially grown in the southern United States. Yes. And used to make commercial tobacco. Yes. All right. Interesting. Yeah, I think that I Bra- think that's Bryant Highhorse of the Oglala Sioux tribe. Said my son came home from Iraq. He went to the VA doctors, and here they found cancer below his knee. Is this no? This is not. Yeah, it. this is it. Yeah, that Bryant was the high one. horse. Yeah, okay. Brian High. I guess you're not going to get him off his high horse. <laughs> Brother. Yeah. That well, was... it sounds like this is is portrayed as religion. Yes. And I wonder if yeah. it's this way so people would would say, oh, back off. That's their religion, you know, freedom of religion, all yep. that stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I know where I came from, there was a big story several years ago about three three guys, and they were Indians, uh, Native, Native American, and they got fired from their job because they were chewing uh, – Peyote mushrooms. Well, it's part of our religion, oh. and they it, it ended up they didn't get their jobs back. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a this is our religion, mm-hmm. and this sounds like this is just part of the Indians' religion. People that aren't involved might say, "Well, that's weird," but if you're in it, it's not weird at all. But do you think uh, that they're doing this from a, a place where they see the carnage of all the smoking, and they want to? To give a, a religious reason why you got to stop doing that, because I'm I'm sure if if the elders went to their kids or the the younger people and said, "Hey, you got to stop smoking. That isn't right." Well, what are you talking about? You smoke the pipe yeah. all the mm-hmm. time, and so this mm-hmm. is just like saying, so it's almost preaching to their own people, not Probably. necessarily. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm intrigued. Especially when you um, brought up the Pine Ridge Reservation, which I don't think tobacco is the problem in that one. <laughs> Oil? <No>. It's commercial <laughs> beer. Commercial beer. Oh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> not not traditional. <laughs> yeah, or uh, all others. <clears throat> yeah. White 
Clay, Nebraska. A significant part of White Clay's economy is based on alcohol sales to residents of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, located two miles north across the border in South Dakota, where alcohol consumption and possession is prohibited. According to the Nebraska Liquor Control Commission, beer sales at White Clay's four liquor stores totaled 4.9 million cans in 2010. Oh, my goodness. For gross sales of $3 million, the four beer merchants paid federal and state excise taxes of $413,932 that year. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, That was 2010. How many people on the reservation? Oh, man. Mm. If there were a million, that'd be four cans a, a year. person. <laughs> no, it's got to be like... 5,000 people, I bet, or yeah, something it, like that. It, it's outrageous, yeah. You know, um, I remember talking to uh, a police officer from around here, and he said, since we're probably 40 miles from a, a reservation, <clears throat> and in the past they've had a lot of issues with drinking and driving, and um, if he sees a car filled with people that look like they're Native Americans, his uh, his attitude was, "I'm not, I'm not going to pull it over. Just make sure they're not going to hit anybody or whatever." Because so many times, if, because you knew it, what it was going to be and didn't yeah, want to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Because it, if you if you turn on the lights and they didn't run, a lot of times they would run. Mm-hmm. But if they didn't run. Everybody in the car would be drunk except maybe the driver, but the driver wouldn't have a driver's license. It'd be somebody in the back who was drunk. There'd be no insurance on the car, you know, and so it wasn't worth, you know, how like a lot of times in cities now, if if a police officer tries to pull somebody over and they take off, um, if the person doesn't have like a, a serious felony, or if you don't know what's going on. A lot of times they'll call off the the chase because really? there's more. You have a greater chance of of harming, of getting, somebody. harming somebody getting killed. Now, if it if it's a murder or something mm-hmm. like that, then you you can't. Right. But if you're just pulling somebody over, they'll attempt. But then if the speeds get too high, they'll just they don't just turn that into a more, bigger charge and go no. after you for reckless driving. And, well, reckless eventually they will because the the thought is if I got if I got the license plate. Mm-hmm. Even if it was stolen, you know, oh, maybe I we see. can get fingerprints okay, and stuff gotcha. like that and get them later. So, because um, <clears throat> it's not worth risking. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, um, it, it's how I know we were making fun, and uh, you know, some people would probably think it was a hate crime, <laughs> just <laughs> mocking right, some of the yeah. stuff. Um, <clears throat> but you know, we get mocked enough the way it is, but. Um, the on the reservations, it is horrific. Well, this uh, from Natasha Rausch for the Lincoln Journal Star in Omaha. Headline: White Clay's sales cost taxpayers tens of millions annually. This was January second of this year, two thousand seventeen. Consider the consequences of this simple math: seven cans of beer are purchased every minute of every hour of every day in White Clay. Mm. Perched on the northern edge of Sheridan County, the unincorporated town of a dozen residents is home to four beer stores that collectively 
sold the equivalent of 3.5 million cans of beer in 2015. Almost all of it to Native Americans from the Pine Ridge Reservation, which hugs the state border on the South Dakota side. The White Clay Beer Store owners, brewers, beer distributors, bootleggers, the state of Nebraska, and the federal government all profit from the beer sold in the town. But each pop of the tab comes with costs that far exceed the money made from the simple sales transaction. They include the following. Cost to law enforcement handling violence and drunkenness in the town and on the reservation. Cost to healthcare providers treating alcohol-related injuries and illnesses, including an epidemic of babies born with fetal alcohol syndrome disorder. Cost to county, state, and federal governments caring for unemployed alcoholics and their dependents. Cost to natives of the Pine Ridge Reservation in lost lives and broken families. No one, not the federal government, not the states of Nebraska or South Dakota, not local or national news organizations, has tallied up all the costs. But months of research into data from tribal, county, state, and federal resources make it evident the total is in the tens of millions of dollars annually. While the costs may be murky, one thing is crystal clear. Who picks up the tab? Quote, it all comes from taxpayers, said Matt Walls, a founding member of the South Dakota Alcohol Policy Alliance, no matter which way you slice it. But those are just the costs in dollars and cents. For the Lakota of the legally dry Pine Ridge Reservation, the bill is paid in pain and suffering. It's in every single one of our families, said 40-year-old Olawan Martinez, a longtime white clay activist and a Pine Ridge resident. No matter how educated, no matter how nice our homes and how good we live, we could be... We could we could be some of the haves of have-nots and still be affected by it. Or have-nots, maybe. Anyway, at the end of a long day in October, Sheridan County Sheriff Terry Robbins points to his new white Ford F-150 north toward Pike. Oh boy, points it north toward White Clay. At just a tick under the speed limit, the 22-mile journey up Nebraska 87 from Rushville takes about 25 minutes. He wears a standard-issue brown shirt and sandy-colored pants accessorized with a big silver belt buckle. His cream-colored cowboy hat rests on the dash. Robin says he usually travels to White Clay a couple of times each week. The town accounts for about 5% of his department's calls, and he spends no more than a few hours there total. Most of the problems go unattended, Robin says, because no one is monitoring the town 24-7. Just before Robbins arrives at White Clay's shorty, short, dusty main street, He turns onto a gravel road. There, in a grassy ditch under the shade of a tree, sit two Lakota men. One hides his beer behind his back. The other pulls down an open can of camel black ice from his mouth. Is that open? The sheriff asks. I'll spill it out, the man replies. He tips the can upside down and watches as 24 ounces of high-octane malt liquor splash onto the gravel road. It's easy to get drunk on a few bucks in white clay, where beer is cheaper than water. Most of the Lakota drink big cans of high-gravity malt liquors, such as Hurricane and Black Camel, or Camel Black Ice. For about $1.50 each, each 24-ounce can delivers the equivalent of a six-pack of beer or four shots of whiskey. That's about $0.38 cents a shot. Of that $1.50, about a quarter is taken out for taxes. The state of Nebraska receives $0.07 cents in sales tax and $0.06 cents in excise tax, which is paid on products such as alcohol and gasoline. The federal government receives 11 cents. That leaves $1.26 for the brewers, distributors, and the four white clay beer store owners. The breakdown of who gets what isn't publicly available. 
but $2,142,000 what you get when you collect $1.26 for each of the 1.7 million 24-ounce cans sold in 2015 is a lot of money. Asked to discuss the situation in White Clay, three of the beer store owners declined to comment on the record. The fourth owner could not be reached. As for the taxes, the federal government received $192,221 in 2015 and the state of Nebraska $102,739. All of the state's money goes into the general fund. South Dakota, was nearly all where nearly all white clay beer is consumed, doesn't see a penny in tax receipts. Instead, every can consumed by South Dakota residents costs their state $1.59. According to a 2015 report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, based on a standard size alcoholic drink, like a shot of whiskey or a 12-ounce beer can. The CDC numbers takes into account all costs attributable to excessive drinking, including those in the healthcare, law enforcement, and criminal justice systems, as well as the cost of reduced workplace productivity. But $1.59 is an average cost for South Dakota for each alcoholic beverage consumed in the state. White clay alcohol is likely to carry an even higher price tag. At 24 ounces, cans of High, can high Hurricane and Camel Black Ice are twice the size of a standard beer and four times the alcohol content. Oh, my goodness. Back in White Clay, Robbins pulls up next to a man lying on the ground just yards away from the highway. The sheriff steps out of his truck, walks over, and helps sit him up. Get up, Robbins said. I will, the man replies as he sits up and slouches against a fence, his eyelids stuck in a drunken droop. Are you drunk or are you just chilling? The man mumbles something inaudible. What have you been drinking, beer? The sheriff asked. Just Kool-Aid. The sheriff makes sure the man's sitting up before driving away. There's not a lot he can do to help. Taking a drunk home is rarely an option. The reservation is about the size of Delaware and Rhode Island combined. Plus, there's not an easily accessible detox. From White Clay, the nearest one is 37 miles away in Gordon. The reservation does have an eight-bed detox, but there's a year-long wait. The sheriff's realistic options are to take a white clay drunk to the county jail in Rushville or to the Pine Ridge Hospital just a few miles down the road, but the hospital has no detox unit or the money to pay for one. Still, it often bears the brunt of the cost of dealing with the problems related to white clay alcohol. Robin said he takes street people to the hospital at least once a week. In 2015, the hospital handled 152 ambulance calls to the tiny town with the nearest Nebraska hospital in Gordon, the Pine Ridge Ambulance is often the sole responder to a white clay call. As for the jail, Robin said he doesn't like the burden the Sheridan County taxpayers, he doesn't like to burden the, count, the county taxpayers with the cost of detaining white clay street people. County Commissioner James Crotz has said a third of the Sheridan County budget goes to white clay. When asked further to explain that number, he said it was roughly attributed to an eight-year-old study on the county jail which found a third of the people detained in Rushville had Pine Ridge addresses. At an October 11 hearing at the Nebraska State Capitol, Sheridan County Commissioner, Commissioner Jack Anderson succinctly summarized the county's white clay problem. Quote, we really need help with law enforcement. But Paul uh, Thibult, a lawyer of, at Legal Aid of Nebraska, said his research has found Sheridan County actually has minimal involvement in white clay. The truth is that they ignore white clay and they minimize their expenses to white clay, he said. Without any compensation, without any agreement, they transfer the burden to the reservation. 
400 yards north of White Clay is the reservation's law enforcement counterpart to Sheridan County. The Oglala Sioux Tribe Department of Public Safety is on the front line of White Clay troubles. But for the uh, reservation law enforcement, they don't have any authority off, uh, off the reservation. So, um, the right. other thing, um, like around here, um, if you spend one night in jail, it costs about 50 bucks per person. <clears throat> um, so, I mean, that would be a horrible position that that county mm-hmm. is in. Yeah. Because... It, I mean, they could arrest every single one of these people every single time because they're breaking breaking a law, but they're not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. And so often, um, they might not even show up for court, and then there will be a warrant out. I tell you, in the county that I live in, there's <clears throat> several people from different reservations that it's a revolving door. They uh, have a DUI. You arrest them. You throw them in jail. They have to go before the judge. The judge sets a a date on when they have to show up again. They don't show up. The warrant sits out there for a year. They might get picked up on another DUI, or they might just get picked up, so they brought to bring them to the jail, and the cycle repeats itself. And that's hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in one person. Um, And the county is not going to get any money and every single time they have to spend with with somebody could be taking them away from responding to a, a a legitimate i shouldn't say legitimate but you know maybe a more dangerous call i mean i it's a horrible i i can't imagine being a sheriff of you know like uh, the county north of us mm-hmm. oh my goodness just a horrible situation because you can't win this story goes on. I think uh, Natasha Rausch did, Rausch did a great con- deconstruction job and a lot of investigation. It, it goes on quite a bit and digs into some other of the surrounding issues and costs to hospitals. Uh, the Lincoln Journal Star uh, is where it's at. White clay sales cost taxpayers tens of millions annually. Natasha Rausch. Um, go read it. It was po- published January 2nd, 2017. Mm. <clears throat> That's nuts. Is it illegal for somebody from that reservation to go into White Clay and buy a can of beer? Um, well, they can't. You can't possess it on the reservation. So what they have to do? But can they go to the store and buy it in Nebraska well, legally? I think so. But but it, what's that? The, here's the problem: you can't consume alcohol in public in in America. I think. Like just out in the public, it's that's a crime. Mm-hmm. You can't consume it in, on the reservation. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they drink it as they're walking back, and they get just plastered or around the city. And so it's not like they're buying a bunch and dragging it back in the reservation to put put in their cupboard. It's more of a commute drink. And I I bet probably and, si- I'm sure a lot of them do. But I bet leg it in, but seventy five percent because this happens all the time in reservations around here is whenever they get whatever check it is within two or three mm-hmm. days it's gone. That's where it's at, yeah, and then um, 
So I bet a lot of that money happens like maybe, I don't know, five days out of the month or something like that where people buy most of that stuff. And, I mean, it's legal, but I don't, I couldn't sleep at night owning a business like that. I mean. Yeah, that I mean, that's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And there's such a cultural thing going on. I mean, I I don't know if, I haven't researched it, but I would speculate that Native American people, their uh, genetics makes them maybe more predisposed to alcohol or mm-hmm. a greater reaction towards alcohol or something like that. that I would. wonder about that. <clears throat> I've heard it, but I don't know if it's true. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, too, is how much of the religious component has impacted them. But then you, and then you have just horrible growing up, horrible experiences in, um, in Minnesota, the, out of the entire state, when you're talking about uh, sex trafficking, the highest percentage of people that, uh, young ladies that are in it, are um, the highest percentage are Native Americans. So you get not only the alcohol and the drugs, you get that as well. And and we're talking teenagers and whatnot. I watched a documentary a few years back, and it was, uh, it was I don't remember where it was. It was, a we'll just call it a Midwestern um, reservation. Mm-hmm. And uh, officially there was no rape there at all because the culture was if a guy saw a girl and wanted to have sex he just did and she she couldn't do anything about it Uh because that wasn't considered rape in the culture yeah Hmm. and lots lots of the kids were pregnant and it was you know it's sort of like oh the indians you know we'll put him here in this little cubby hole and but nobody's really taking care of him and yeah and it's just a, a sad, sad state of affairs. There's no sexual assault there. Yeah, yeah. It's the guy's right or whatever they yeah. think. Yeah, and it's and nobody wants to touch it from the outside. These are, I mean, really. Well, I don't know if you can. How do you go into somebody's sovereign nation and say you're well, not they're, doing it right? They're law enforcement. And it has to be on the books because, I mean, like the FBI oversees yeah. stuff. So, they, you know, rape can't be legal on a reservation. No, so no. But it the, be them who would be doing it. Right. But, I mean, the point is they don't Well, who call defines it? Yeah, they, yeah. It's not rape in their culture because they're raised up to believe, well, mm-hmm. that's, that's the right of the man to be able to do. And so you don't have a say. But it's still illegal. And, um, well, it's... It, it's still statutorily illegal they can't you can't make something Only if you like have a that. victim well but if right? it, no it's still illegal whether or not somebody is going to come forward or not it's still illegal. well if a if a, a female grows up from toddler on up to puberty and she's been no, I understand taught. that, but it's still that's legal. That's something that the guys can do. So, you know, if they do that to you, well, that's just part of being a woman. 
Mm-hmm. And to break out of that kind of a culture would be. But you can't. But um, the women that go th- go through that, I I would imagine it's similar to other cultures around the world. Um, but they still go to school, mm-hmm. even if it's on the reservation. They're still taught curriculum that tells them that this is this is wrong. Does it? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But plus, plus you have, plus you have, you know, TV, cable, internet. So it's not like, it's not like a pristine culture where this is happening in a bubble and there's no outside yeah. influence. So I mean, it, it's got to be breaking, breaking away from that. But the question is, I mean, um, probably the bigger question is, are they enforcing the law rather than it being mm-hmm. illegal? I, uh, and that was a part of the documentary. N- nobody, outside or inside, the police, the reservation police, they're like, what's the big deal? Mm. Mm. It's pretty sad. This whole business of all the all the drinking, you yeah. go just walk a, for 10 minutes and you get some beer and you drink it yeah. and you walk back and, no, I'm not drunk. But it's Kool Aid. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he said, the shoulders on the highway going from White Clay into the reservation are really wide mm-hmm. because it, they fall down. They get oh, drunk. They yeah. fall down, and they don't want to be in the middle of the road. Well, I know just north of us, a couple of years ago, um, there was a grove of trees where a lot of natives were known to go and drink, and that were homeless during the summer. And one guy got drunk, and it was in the fall, you know, when, during harvest. And one guy got drunk and passed out in the middle of the field, cornfield or whatever. And the harvester came over and killed him, but he had no idea it was in there, yeah. you know. And I guess you know it's almost an annual thing. Somebody will they'll find a body in the in the spring because he crawled into a culvert and froze to death or drowned or. <clears throat> I I mean, is there a solution? Exactly. Um, there's no there's no democratic solution. The only way you could is if you came in and if you if you know one strike you're out. If if you give birth to a child, either we're taking it, or if you break the law, we're taking the child and we'll give the child back to the tribe in twenty years when they're older and have I don't know the government raise them. And, I mean, but that's not. You can't a good, do that, though. No, I know. That's my point. It would have to be a totalitarian society, mm-hmm. but who would have the political power or desire to do that? Well, but then you have to realize, yeah, these people are making that decision, and they're the ones that are, yeah, I'm going to make the call that you are not fit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, what happens if those people turn bad? Yeah. Exactly. Well, actually, they're fit. Yeah. Well, and you guys aren't fit, and so then yep. they start taking good. You see it, exactly. If I'm the one making the call, you bet it'll be great. Yeah. I, I trust you. <laughs> no, I mean it's the whole power corrupt mm-hmm. thing. Also, I mean there's nothing, and and they people have accepted it, and it's like we all know people around us or in a town. They are those people that you know are the mom and dad are both drunk and they have small children, and the children are being abused or neglected, and we know about it. And maybe the law enforcement knows about it, but they don't have enough evidence. And we we know that happens all the time. 
but the solution to it would be more devastation more devastating to society than the actual so you let it go mm -hmm. i mean if it became totalitarian that would be far worse if anybody could come in and just yank kids out of the house because right. they felt like it yeah. so little less talk a little more touch my body there's a line for you this is the quality music right here of our uh, the next generation this is the david allen show hi into you ariana grande how's that her so, is it? And, but we still we still wonder why our children are are doomed well the song, 349,766,482 listens. That's more people than live in the United States, officially. Uh, I wonder what percentage of these people uh, live in the basement with their parents, you know. They're older, I'm sorry. Do you have a sense that a lot of the kids nowadays are, that music is as powerful to them as it was for us when we were growing up? Yeah, or more. Okay. You know what, we were, we were uh, talking here <laughs> about Native American culture, and it seems like, well, it's not seem, it is. There's a soft form of totalitarianism in our country right now where um, 
you can't you can't you can't even discuss this without you without being uh, horrific consequences do you, you remember the um the republican party the head of the republican party in big stone county who uh sometime last year he made some comment about using a grenade against blowing up muslims or whatever and it i don't know if you re- maybe you don't remember it um guy named jack whitley <clears throat> was over in uh, big stone county and it made like usa today you know, head of Republican Party says we should blow up, you know, <clears throat> and um, he lost his job. He worked at a at a hardware store, and they fired him because so many people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that now. Okay, because so many people were, you know, uh, just sending death threats and hateful comments to the store that he that he worked in, and um, so like. If people heard what we were saying, and some of it was mocking, I mean, I mean, for me, a, a good portion of it was mocking, um, but not, not meant to be hurtful, but to like, to like discuss the, especially when it comes to the the tobacco thing, to me, it, it's it's funny. But as we were discussing it, I, you know. I understood more and more and what they were trying to do, or I at least figured think I figured out more and what 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 they were going trying to do. But it was funny the way they presented yeah. it, yeah, to well, an outsider. Commercial. Yeah, you yeah. Bet. Uh, now in that culture, they'll go, you know, why is that funny? And mm. this is whatever. Right. Um. But we can't make fun of that. <laughs> we can't look at that and go, that's no, humorous. No. Yeah. Exactly. But at the end, but at the end of this whole discussion, I think we were like, you know, this is. I, this is why they're doing it. Yeah, you which, know. which I go go. Yeah, good. exactly. I'm good on you. I'm in exactly. But yeah, this whole idea that we're not allowed to <laughs> to see some humor. Yeah, in a dark thing is not. Why is that bad? Now, we are not beholden to advertisers. True, which is very handy. Yeah, or I mean, listeners. It's, <laughs> it's not handy in the sense of paying the bills, but it's great for content. Yeah. Exactly. All, it's way more fun that way. Exactly. But it it's it's the same thing that as a white man if I go somewhere uh like in church or whatever and I I grew up predominantly white culture and you hear, you know, all the all the venom about white men and white culture and how horrible it is. If like we're in church and a black person, a black family shows up, I have absolutely nothing against them. I want what's best for them. I don't care what color they are. I don't care about I don't care about that. I want what's best for them. And I actually don't really care much about their culture, you know, how they grew up as long as, you know, and I'm I'm a Christian. I I want them to I want that their lives to conform to the Bible, it not not in a tyrannical sense, but in a sense that shows that they love God and they're striving to love one another. Okay, so, and I see that and I walk up and talk to them and the first thing that comes through my mind, and I I don't try, but the first thing is, am I going to offend them if I say anything? (laughs) If I, when I walk up to them, if I look at them a certain Mm -hmm. way, are they going to attribute racism against me? Mm -hmm. And it's this- So you tend to avoid them. So you tend to avoid them. This is all fabricated. And so it makes it more difficult mm-hmm. for you to communicate across. And 
you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, Native American, the, the negatives of, of their current culture or the, the, the horrific addiction and everything that else happens. And everything that, that we said is true. I mean, we were talking, I, I talked about uh, some, something I talked to a police officer who was telling me about it. That was true what he said. And that was his experience. And um, nothing that we said was hateful. Nothing. It was talking about it. And if you're like me, in my heart, I mourn for people that are so caught up. Like in that in that article, the, the first uh, picture is this uh, sheriff bending over this uh, drunk Native American. And I think that man is probably, that's how he's going to live his life until he takes his last breath. And probably he'll never be able to get out of that. And is that is that hate, hatred? To tell the truth? And I've, and I've heard that before, I've heard it before that, that uh, something about telling the truth is the most revolutionary act or something like that. Mm-mm. Nope. How's it go? No. It can't be true. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> is there any way around this soft tyranny other than just um, almost, you know, like Milo, whatever, Yapalopoulos, mm-hmm. you know, that guy, he, he tries to be offensive just for the sake of being offensive to mm-hmm. try to break down walls. Oh, Crowder's the same way. Yeah, Crowder's the mm-hmm. same way. Louder was good. Did you see, by the way, think of him? Uh, he dressed in drag. Yes, and went to the women's march. Yes, yes, and got away with it. Yeah, because you can get away right. with it if you're a if tranny. You play the game. Yeah, right. it's terrible. But it's, but uh, you know, Wendy Davis is just kicking herself. <laughs> Damn, they got me. <laughs> How in the world? <laughs> you heard Jerry Seinfeld's on on Hot Water now, didn't you? Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. He's. You know, Lewis Black was on his. Oh, show. from the from the PC thing. Yeah, and they he said he said Black's life matters, and he took a lot of heat. What? Lewis Black's life. Right. That's racist. That his name. Yeah, is yeah Black. exactly, exactly. <laughs> he you know won't, he won't go to any uh, college campus anymore and do any of his comedy. Exactly, because people don't, they don't have laugh. a sense they of humor. They They're just nuts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at what point, if you walk into a car dealership and you say, I want a black car, they're going to go, oh, you're racist. You want to own something that's black? Is that what it is? You know? Or they say, oh, you want El Camino? (laughs) (laughs) So. That's racist. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, we. (laughs) What solutions are there other than just trying to bust through the wall? I think you have to just do it. it. Got to fight it. But but be willing to die, and that's the part that is not mm-hmm. convenient. Is there a <laughs> dying way, is not convenient? Is there a way that you can break through a wall while also in some way communicating that it's not personal? Yes, yes. You have to be a liberal, and your agenda can't be going on. You like you have to feel marginalized, like say Donald Trump wins the presidency uh-huh. and you didn't like it. So you can stand up on a stage uh, and on national television say, we're all about tolerance and inclusion. And if you don't like it, F you. Yeah. 
Yeah. That that's what you have to do. You you can get away with it if you are that. Uh-huh. But if you are a pro life, someone that has a conservative agenda, shh, be quiet. You're old fashioned and you're a cult, which I have a story about that, which I want to makes me want to vomit. Oh, I want to hear it. Okay, we'll go there then. If um, do you have your barf bag handy? <laughs> now, I will preface this: this article comes from a website called Autostraddle.com. So. Mm. I was trained for the culture wars in homeschool, awaiting someone like Mike Pence as a messiah. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, let me guess. Right from the get-go, this is a homeschool kid from a conservative Christian family who went off the reservation, huh? Callback. Um, <laughs> am I wrong? I don't know yet. Oh, Okay. I was working the polls on election day, handing people ballots and explaining how to fill them out properly. I made it my mission to come up with interesting uses for the removable tabs and entertain people for the 30 seconds that I had their captive attention. When 7 p.m. hit, people came in looking grim. Quote, did you hear about the polls? They'd ask. No, I said, but don't tell me. I need to get through the next hour. I guarded my polling location from news of what was happening because we still had to close... I still had to close and needed to be able to focus without dealing with the sheer terror of reality. Oh. I checked Twitter as I got in my Lyft back home. Lyft? Lyft is an Uber com- competitor. Oh. Shock bombarded and horror filled me as I scrolled through my timeline. I hoped the panic would vanish once the CA votes were counted. California. It didn't. Slowly the new reality set in. The one where I wake up horrified and lose more of my basic human rights every day. Male or female writing this? What do you think? Female. The one where I wake up and am reminded that I was prepared for this. I saw this coming. I know what's happening. I grew up in the far-right evangelical conservative, Christo-fascist movement. Specifically, I was homeschooled and my parents were part of a subculture called Quiverful. Okay. Whose aim is to outbreed everyone for Jesus. I spent my teen years being a political activist. I was taught by every pastor I encountered that it was our job as Christians to outbreed the secularists, anyone not a far-right evangelical Protestant, and take over the government through sheer numbers. I was part of Teen Pack, Generation Joshua, and my local teenage Republicans. When the Tea Party rose in 2009, that was my culture. The Tea Party was step one. I was laying the groundwork for those elections in 2006. These people didn't come out of the blue like it seemed. This plan, this Christo-fascist takeover of the U.S. government, has been in the works for decades. Thank you for warning me. (laughs) When evangelical conservatism started becoming popular and more mainstream around the 1970s, the foundation was being laid for the tragedy playing out right now. Evangelical conservatives started taking over their local Republican parties and founding organizations like Operation Rescue, Homeschool Legal Defense, Family Research Council, and Focus on the Family, just to name a few. Michael Ferris founded HSLDA. Our mission, to preserve and advance the fundamental God-given constitutional right of parents and others legally responsible for their children to direct their education. 
In so doing, we rely on two fundamental freedoms, parental rights and religious freedom. We advocate for these freedoms in the courtrooms, before government officials, and in the public arena. Additionally, we assist other educational organizations in similar activities where possible and appropriate. That'd be the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. In 1983, as a way to ensure that homeschooling was legal, but what he's been striving for is the Wild West. His organization is trying to keep homeschooling away from any interference so the children he trains through his sister organization, Generation Joshua, would be able to fly under the radar. Generation Joshua started in 2003, primarily catering to children homeschooled by extremely religious right-wing adults. Its purpose was to train us to fight in what the Christo-fascists have been calling the culture wars. Ugh. It's a loose and ambiguous term that basically means anything or anyone that doesn't align with this very specific view of Christianity must not be allowed to continue. Generation Joshua wants America to be a beacon of biblical hope to the world around us. We seek to inspire every one of our members with faith in God and hope of what America can become as we equip Christian <clears throat> citizens and leaders to impact our nation for Christ and his glory. Teen Pack is a dynamic, hands-on leadership school for Christian students. Our mission is to train youth to understand the political process, value their liberty, defend their Christian faith, and engage the culture at a time in their lives when typically they do not care about such things. How do you do that? Well, you overturn Roe v. Wade, Griswold v. Connecticut, Brown v. Board of Education, and Bob Jones v. the United States. Each of these decisions currently protects reproduction rights or non-discrimination based on race. As retribution, you amend the Constitution to discriminate against queers, trans people, women, and people of color. And then you make laws legislating morality. The only way to do this is to infiltrate the government. So Generation Joshua, Teen Pack, and other organizations exist to indoctrinate and recruit homeschooled youth who have ample free time to participate in politics. The biggest resources for teaching civil discourse are the National Christian Forensics and Communications Association and Communicators for Christ, since renamed the Institute for Cultural Communications. Through these programs, we learned how to argue effectively. As students, we were taught critical thinking skills, but given only a narrow view of what was acceptable to argue for. We were, after all, being trained to take over the country for Christ, literally. We knew how to perform logical gymnastics about abortion, Christianity, and any evangelical talking point we could, you could throw at us. When we showed up to city council, political, local political party meetings, and tours of the capital, we asked intelligent questions, were respectful, and had a vested interest in how our local pol political machine ran. And why is any of that bad? We impressed every government official and staff member with our questions, earnesty, and demeanor. In short, we were sneaky and polite Trojan horses. What? We had an agenda. Yes, even as 15-year-olds. It was forcefully handed to us by the adults in our lives. I feel bad for her, but you can tell that this snowflake got hurt somehow. I watched the Tea Party take over and was surprised no one saw it coming. After all, this was part of the plan. Trump being elected is also part of the plan, although not Trump specifically. The true goal is Pence. Christo-fascists have been wanting someone like Pence in the White House, and until now, didn't have a way to get one in. They, now, they know Trump is easily manipulated and will change his mind with the wind if it makes him feel more powerful and famous. Trump couldn't care less about policy, a fact he's made quite obvious. The right has given a tyrant power and fame. He will do whatever they want him to do in order to keep it. 
This way, they can sneak Pence in on a piggyback while filling Congress with even more evangelical conservative Republicans. Compared to the Trump's abrasive and terrifying behavior, Pence seems much less threatening. This is not the case. Pence has a proven track record of legalizing discrimination and acting against women and marginalized people. Those of us who didn't leave the far right are being elected to do federal elected to federal positions or are taking over states and cities with Pence in office, even the reasonable seeming incumbents who have been and are still at the mercy of the Tea Party are growing more bold in their attempts to further the Christo-fascist agenda to take back the country for Christ. This was the mantra we heard. This was our mission. This is how... Christo-fascism. We they use those win. words. Huh. Outbreed, outvote, outactivate. Every class, every event, every pastor or guest speaker reiterated this, choosing to risk the 501c3 status of their church to push their agenda. To take back the country for Christ, we needed to outbreed, outvote, and outactivate the other side. Thus saith the Lord. Meanwhile, mainstream Democrats shake their heads in confusion and fundamentally misunderstand the meaning of grassroots organizations, which is where all of this happens. Republicans have a vast network of homeschoolers that HSLDA and others have given them to tap into as a source of free labor. Plus, they're a Trojan horse. Republicans in state governments are lax on homeschooling oversight because their get-out-the-vote base is made of homeschoolers thanks to Generation Joshua and Teen Pack. Have you ever heard of... No. Homeschoolers may make up a small portion of students as a whole, but they are allowed to have time and can be activated with one email blast. When H.R. 6 was brought to Congress in 1994, homeschool families realized their power. With an alert from HSLDA, homeschool families flooded the lines of Congress, demanding that they exclude private home and religious schools from the bill. They succeeded. The reach of S.A. HSLDA to activate the homeschool community has only grown since then. We are the secret no one knew about, and it's time to come to light. Homeschoolers are a huge reason for the evangelical conservative takeover we've seen over the last decade or so. It would be a mistake to write them off. Self-proclaimed constitutional lawyer Michael Ferris, the founder of HSLDA, and revisionist historian David Barton oh, have spent years <laughs> twisting their interpretation of the U.S. Constitution as some kind of God-breathed document into the minds of parents and their families who will just believe what they say because they're good Christians. Or just don't believe what they say because you said it. They don't necessarily practice critical thought or are dissuaded from looking at the Constitution themselves without a law degree and don't bother to read history from all angles. So you, you need a law degree in order to read the Constitution. Relying only on the whitewashed Christian versions of the Constitution and our founding. Mm. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> That really annoys me, because you can tell that that young lady, I'm sure it's a young lady, was it a young lady? I think so. You can tell that young lady, something happened in her life that made made her angry, or hurt her, or whatever, um, and rather than dealing with that, she threw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, that being said... That quiverful movement, there's that can get more. a little weird. Oh, and there's more? Okay. Unfortunately. Did you say David Barton? Mm -hmm. Revisionist historian. Oh. Is he the guy that has the Bible that is just full of 
historical reference? Well, I think, I mean, it's, he's a big proponent that, like, I believe that America is, is very, um, God breathed or George, uh, Washington was, um, I, no, I mean, I'm not saying that he, in a religious sense, Mm -hmm. but he's very patriotic and, um, I mean, she could maybe make the case for some of that, but anyways, he's one, keep of, going. he's one of the most prolific historians that I've ever heard of. Uh huh. To call him a revisionist is dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's revising what they want to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't necessarily practice critical thought. He probably has more of original documents of the founding fathers than anybody. Okay. As far as a private person. He's yeah. collected those things for years. Yeah. So he has the original. Oh, where did you get that? Well, I got it right here. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's not. I don't have it, so it can't be true. I didn't say that. If you're thinking that declaring the nation a Christian one and turning into a theocracy is the ludicrous idea that has no basis in our Constitution, you'd be correct. However, Christo fascists have imbibed this theory. And now believe it is their Christian duty to save the country from its secular ways in the name of religious freedom. In this worldview, any non-Christian, including Catholics and Jews, is doomed to eternal torture if they don't convert. Thus, we are all going to hell in a handbasket if good Christians don't save the country from the liberals who think people just should do what they want regardless of what God says. Their religious extremism is worse than any group they fearmonger over but the irony is lost on them. Evangelical conservatives are convinced that their agenda will save the country from God-ordained death. Pat Robertson and many others believe that natural disasters are sent from God specifically to punish America for letting marginalized people have rights and be alive. This motivates them to do everything in their power to save the country from the ungodly, even, maybe especially, if it involves stripping others of the freedoms they deem to be against God's wishes, they don't care if their war for Christ hurts humans they see as living wrongfully, because their capital R right, and that's what matters. Their rightness, they believe, comes from God himself. Their beliefs are callous and without empathy, prioritizing dogma over people. These beliefs are dangerous. Many of us who have come out as queer, trans, and even merely gone to college yep. have Knew lost it. family Knew it. because of their worldview. A single powerful person who is convinced of their own rightness with no thought of introspection is dangerous. We now have a government full of them. It is important to understand that they are coming at this from a place of passion and dedication. They have a fire in their bellies. While it looks like a bunch of backwoods hillbillies playing with guns to anyone outside, they are resilient and in it for the long haul. They want America to succeed, but in their America, there isn't room for anyone unlike them. There's a reason Trump's mantra struck despite his deplorable behavior. They think America was founded on conservative Protestant ideals because that's what they've been fed, because that's what aligns with their interpretation of the Bible, and they will not go down without a fight. They are sacred. No, no. They are scared of anything newer than the 18th century. They, you can't logic the fear of change away from people. If you do no research and are instead predisposed to the belief that older is better, it's, easier, it's easy to think the Puritans were good and wholesome. People wore funny hats, 
were conservative and hated science. Church was basically mandatory, and women aren't, weren't allowed to speak or be autonomous people. These are all comforting things for people who feel as though the world is against them because of their religion, rather than the fact that their views and actions are bigoted, racist, and ex actively harmful to millions of other humans. You cannot be this version of evangelical and not force your beliefs on others. Failing to convert is a, is a failure on you and your dedication to your faith. This religion is based entirely on fear. You can't argue away a fear so intense that it hardens you to anyone unlike you or your tribe. They will not be won over with sit-downs and respectfully and respectability politics. This kind of dogma can't be reasoned with. They must be fought against. Trying to convince them to come to the other side is a waste of time unless they've already started on that journey. Okay, so, so what she's saying, and it's either she or it's a he who's a, who's gay. I mean, she's gay, but lesbian. It's a she, right? I think so. Otherwise, it's... Uh, anyways, what she just said there is that there's no reasoning with them. You have to destroy them. It must be fought against. The ones in power actively harming our lives are past this point. We can only fight back. The revolution has come. Good. And we are the resistance. And we have the guns. So Whoever just healed what are you going to do? Scratch your eyes out? Scratch. <laughs> Scratch. I mean, she built so many caricatures based out of her her virulent hatred towards it because something happened to her. Kieran Darkwater. K-I-E-R-Y-N. Kieran. K-I-E-R-Y-N. Darkwater. This was posted January 26, 2017 on Autostraddle. Okay. Sounds yeah. Like a lovely, uh, yeah. She's she's yeah. Oh, he's, she's he's, been she's been horribly hurt. No, he. It's a he. Okay, I was oh. right. It's a he. <laughs> oh. It's a he. Um. When 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 this person started out, I was thinking this has to be a woman. Mm -hmm. But then, as they kept on going, I thought the. You know how young boys growing up, you know how the hormonal thing is such an overpowering thing that he, if it would have to be a, um, if not a, a girl who had been horribly abused by somebody, it had to be a boy who was struggling with same-sex attractions. <clears throat> uh, although he's a blue-haired, what, a blue-haired fairy boy? Fairy boy. B-O-I. Yeah. Uh, the comments here are, I think, the most frightening. I mean, yeah, you can write a blog post that blah, blah, blah. Well, that was far and away the most horrifying thing I've ever read in what has essentially been a year of daily horrors. Allison. Elena says, wow, this was so informative and important. Lindsay, thank you for speaking up, Kieran. This is absolutely terrifying, but knowledge is power, and it's so important that we learn about this. Lauren says, can I premise this? Premise? Premise? P-R-E-M-I-S-E. Premise? Premise? Premise this? Premise this? Premises. Premise? Yeah. This by saying that I am for 
a majority of what you are saying. There is a type of simplification that comes with a certain subset of religious ideology, but the last paragraph alarmed me a bit. Quote, they will not be won over by with sit-downs and respectability talk or politics. <laughs> she goes on. If I were reading this out of context, it seems a lot like the mantra that some of those same people use to discriminate against people who come from a non-Christian background. I'm speaking specifically about Islam, but I don't think I don't think the language is exclusive to Islam. This is a question I raise out of a strong desire for discussion and clarity. Well, what is the difference between painting with a broad brush and the painting that the far right has done of other religion viewpoints with their broad brush? Makes a great point. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. what you just said. Yeah. See, but uh, Kieran was just advocating what he was r- railing against. Very angry. Or um, Avon says, "I was trained for this stuff as well. Yeah. Horrifying. I am believing less in a god nowadays, and probably never believed in one in the first place. Which means I wasted my time hating and hoping for no reason. It's scary and sad. Mostly scary. Dark times are coming. Let's try to shine some light, guys. What what kind of light? If there is no god, there is no light. Hey, Avon, there. Yeah. Um, she's believing less in a god. Why? Why? What did he say that would make you think God does not exist? No, no, no. Nowadays. Yeah. And now is one word in that sense. Anyway, yeah. Linz says, thank you for this. I was on some tangent of this culture as someone who was homeschooled by their grandma in elementary school only. But thankful that since she was Catholic, we never got too deep into this. Hope you're healing from the wounds. I'm sure this has left. That's funny. She's trying to make a common ground. She was homeschooled briefly in elementary school by a grandma. You know? <laughs> so she knows. Right. Eva, this was incredible. Also deeply scary. Wow. Thank you. I've learned a lot from this. This is pants <laughs> crappingly scary. Thank you for sharing. And I hope these people leave you alone forever. Now, okay, that's the best response right there. That's it. Right there. This is scary. Thanks for sharing. That doesn't matter. And I hope these people leave you alone forever. That's what this whole article is about. They're they're mean to me. Yep. (laughs) Colleen, you nailed it. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, well, this was actually posted by someone on Facebook that I am an acquaintance with. Just because I know this girl's dad. Um, okay. She posted, if that's not a cult, I don't know what is. Yep. This is the same girl that just got a tattoo on her arm that says resist because we must resist. And I'll read you what she says when, with the picture of it. Uh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, bother. Apparently she posts a lot of drivel. When pro-life movement starts handing out condoms and offering cheap prescribed birth control, I'll believe their goal is ending abortion. (laughs) Step one for Hitler was to discredit the media. Step two was to silence scientists and government employees. What? Hate crimes against minorities grew to the highest in their country's history. In step four, wealthy supporters purchased media outlets. In his final step, Hitler declared that the only way the country could be unified was to restore traditional values. Minorities, including gays, the disabled, non-Christians, and people of color were considered inferior and sent to death camps for slaughter. 
Oh. We're on step two. Uh huh. Based upon this, yeah. this our meme. <laughs> Who wants to get a resist tattoo with me? I need one like right now. Yes, I I want one. I want two. I want two. I want one backwards on my forehead. So when I'm looking in the mirror, it reminds me every day. I love everything you post, lol. Resist we much. Yes. <laughs> and we will much forget about that B committed. I I feel uh, this is this is this is so weird. I think however, that being said, um some of the I've uh have you ever heard of the you had to have heard of the pearls? They're into the quiverful um above rubies or something like that they have uh Danny Pearl the guy that got his head cut off no not him Saddam. no oh no no they are uh they're a couple of conservative uh very I hate to call it cons- anyways it would be quiverful movement therein um and the the problem with it with some of this stuff is that if if uh, Josh McDowell always used to say that uh, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And that is if you're a child growing up and you believe that rules are more important than me, then I'm going to rebel against you. <clears throat> but if you have a close relationship, like with a child, and you give them a rule, they understand that that rule's there for my, for my good, not just for some weird reason. And some of these movements... Wait, are you talking boundaries? Yeah. That's lame. Yeah. <laughs> but the the relationship has to start first. It has to be about the relationship over the rules ultimately in the kid's head. They have to know that you love them regardless. That that's number one. And that they understand that if you bring boundaries into their lives, it's there for a purpose. Not to just control you and manipulate you, but for your good. Um some of these some of these movements i can't say that i would necessarily disagree with kind of the general attitude when it comes to mm-hmm. it and i think you know on here when we're talking on on this podcast we make fun of people and stuff like that and it's their positions though typically yeah, exactly people could look at it like you know we're just being mean because we're we like being mean, but at least from my perspective is to try to uh, show how some positions are absurd. And one way you do that is you mock it. You know what I mean? Well, um, you're only allowed traditional tobacco. Yes, exactly. Because it's better. Yeah, exactly. To me, that's that's funny, you know. So, you, but, um, but I think that for me, this is a, a good reminder that when you were talking about the Bible and about who God is, that we have to do it in a way. Um, or if you're talking about people that don't believe, if you truly believe what the Bible has to say and why Jesus had to come, you truly believe that there is such a thing as hell. There's going to be consequences. And if you look at people who disagree with you and go, oh, they're going to hell that communicates almost a gleeful joy at mm-hmm. seeing them condemned forever. Um, and I don't, 
do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I think I think we have to be careful when you're when you're dealing with people not to um not to have the self righteous uh caricature going on in your life when you're when you're talking to people um because it's so offensive and it should be offensive um but all that being said if this guy is sick of the self-righteous caricature and self-righteous indignation that Christians maybe Christians in him, his life have exhibited he's outdone them on the <laughs> yeah. opposite oh, yeah. way but that's acceptable. That's acceptable. But this self-righteousness, mm-hmm. from their point of view, is offensive. Yeah. And he he totally ruined it, I mean, by using Christo-fascism and all the <laughs> other kind of garbage. But um, where was it? Uh, he, I mean, he basically said they have to be removed, destroyed. You can't reason with them. Right. Fight against them. Fight against mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah, don't bother talking. Don't bother talking. They're not going to listen, so you have to fight against them. And that, but What's the whole point of this whole right. article? But that is exactly the point of the conservative movement, is the liberals are so bent on their idea only, mm-hmm. they have no availability to listen. They can't and listen. And so we've taken that position, well, we must fight against them. Yeah. Because that's all there is. Yeah. But, don't even listen to them. Yeah. They have some kind of weird mojo. Yeah. That'll that'll bend your mind. You know the same the same attitude that maybe conservative people had in the fifties about rock and roll music or something. Oh, Don't listen to it. It'll beat, beat. pollute you with the devil. You know, or whatever. You know, <clears throat> or Harry Potter. Here's a test. I'm holding a baby in one hand, and a petri dish holding an embryo in the other. Okay. I'm going to drop one. You choose which. Okay, the baby. I'll catch the baby. If you really, truly believe an embryo is the same thing as a baby, it should be impossible for you to decide. No. Shot in the dark. You save the baby because there, you're aware there's a difference. Now admit it. I'm holding a 150-pound man in one hand and a month-old baby in the other. I'm going to drop one of them. Which one will it be? Because they're equal. If you think that I can just drop the man and it doesn't matter, there's something wrong with you. What a stupid <laughs> character. Oh. But this this is the stuff. Oh, brother. Uh, I, I'm just scrolling through the moron. face bag feed of this Sorry, same lady. They're not a moron. They so just... this was shared one hour ago, and her comment was effing this, all caps. No, I didn't. she didn't censor. I did. And it was this retweet. Funny how sex is an irresistible human urge when a man rapes a woman, but when a woman gets pregnant and wants an abortion, she should have been smarter and thought twice before having sex if she didn't want a child. So all sex is rape? And so this girl says, effing this, like this is awesome, this is it. (laughs) They're delusional. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Don't fight hate with hate. Nope. Is an example of subtle gaslighting where our legitimate hurt and anger at the injustices we suffer is being equated to the bigotry and abuse of our oppressors. Being angry doesn't mean you are being hateful. It means you love yourself enough to get upset at your own mistreatment. (laughs) Okay. 
This is just the stuff that people are loving to see from this girl. I know um I know this this guy I'm friends with him on Facebook and I I knew him from youth group way back in the day and he fancies himself as very intelligent and he makes these statements that are like philosophical but when you're done reading them you're like what 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 did you I, you have no idea what the point is and so I think there's a lot of muddled thinking nowadays for a lot of the um, the snowflake generation. I live in a country that will demand a burial for a fetus, but will also casually bulldoze an indigenous gravesite for an oil pipeline. What? Really? Really? <laughs> They're comparing those two. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. And you're right. There's somebody going, yeah, that's great. I got to use that. Write yeah. that down. Yeah. That thing the Standing Rock protesters were afraid of just happened. A faulty pipeline has leaked 176,000 gallons of crude oil into a creek and the surrounding countryside. <laughs> two and a half hours away from the Standing Rock protests. <sighs> First they came for the scientists and the National <laughs> Park Service said, lol, no. <laughs> and then they rogue, came for me and there and was we were no all like, I was not expecting the park rangers to lead the resistance. None of the dystopian novels I read prepared me for this, but cool. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. They probably shouldn't have used uh, Chinese steel. That was a problem with the pipeline. So this lady is a sales associate at Gilt and Gossamer. A who? A former sales associate at Heritage Dry Goods. A barista at Hideaway Bakery. What's a barista? Coffee maker. Okay. A former staff member at Full City Coffee Roasters. Worked at JT. Former team member of Cafe Yum. Oh my former goodness. preschool <laughs> teacher, formal preschool, former preschool teacher at Fairfield Baptist Child Development Center, and is in a relationship with Mike Hippie. Mike Hippie, and is a what's a Hippie? Hippie is the guy's name. My my Hippie, Mike. Oh, Mike Hippie, Mikey Hippie. Okay, Hippie. Hippo. What is Hippo. a relationship? Means you're shacking up, getting all, getting it on without marriage. You are. Getting the milk for free hey. without having to buy the cow. Now, I did not call her a cow. Without getting, just used, without getting to buy the resource. Or the, yeah. No, no, never mind. But Mike Hippie is a former research assistant at the University of Oregon. There you go. Oh, okay. So this, I actually, the other day, I've done something I have not done ever. I actually eliminated someone from the face bag. Now you're no longer friends with them? Gone. <laughs> Done. Is that why uh, I haven't been able to, to them, <laughs> send you messages? I shouldn't have said anything. Unbeknownst to them, clearly, I wasn't going to be that guy. I should have been. But everything. If you don't like what I post, unfriend me. I am thick and tired of Donald Trump. I hate him. Rawr. Yes. That's not, okay. I don't need this crap. <laughs> unfriend. So you unfriended him, uh, her, her, because she asked for it. Kinda. Wow. And not because I'm intolerant. I'm just sick and tired of being yelled at for having a different view. I had a lot of those, and I just like did that thing where you can't see what they say, or you know, when they put something out, you just. <clears throat> but now that you mention, I have to go in. I had uh, 
a liberal friend that I knew from high school that, um, yeah, was like super liberal. And I got to see if I'm even friends with her anymore. It wasn't me. Uh, let's see. If I'm, I'm not, fr- she defriended Ooh. me. Although, of course, I haven't followed anything she's done and, you know, because she's cray cray. Oh. But, <clears throat> okay. Oh, wow. Oh. Okay, cool. That's why. All right. I got to Okay, so I'm still friends with... Okay. Oh. Not quite as bad as you thought? Well, no, there was one that I've known many years. We were really good friends at one time, now very much on the other side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he um, has not def- defriended me. So that's good. Defrauded you? Whatever. Um. Uh, on a on very unfortunate note, you remember ISIS videos? Is that a rock group? No. Oh. No, you know, like they put out the they when they kill somebody, people oh, okay. or whatever. They're so produced really well, and there's no yes. They don't actually show beheading or show the death. It just shows the aftermath. It kind yeah. of builds up and then goes to the aftermath. Although I think some of them they show them like cutting their throat and the bleeding out and stuff like that. Not the official ones that I've seen. Oh, okay. They're they're still kind of cut well. Okay. Uh, I am. If this isn't real, it's were they made in the same studio close. that they made for the moon landing? Oh, maybe. Oh, okay. If this I've isn't seen that real before, it is so well done that it's a dynamite fake. This was shared in a closed group I'm in on Facebook. Um, Clarion Project. You ever heard of that? Yes. Challenging extremism, promoting dialogue. An ISIS graphic video, kids shooting exercise with living targets. Uh, In its latest video, ISIS places bound prisoners in an abandoned building and then lets loose children's soldiers to hunt and kill them. Clarion Project condemns ISIS and its action with every fiber in our collective body, but believes the truth must be told about the evil that is ISIS. That is why we decided to publish this video. It's seven minutes long. I saw it, and it's horrifying. It is the first time I've actually seen what is very clear, apparently, to these kids actually shooting these bound men. And not like, you know, long shot. This is... It is graphic and extremely disturbing and do they have like a gopro on their head what is the production is so good it's movie production quality fantastic which means they've done several takes because if you know anything about movies you can't have a guy walking in and you show him from the front and then you show him from the back in the same shot so you have to do a lot of pre-production and this is why i'm 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 not sure i haven't quite figured out if it's fully real it's produced well, but they also show these guys getting shot for real. And that's that's the part that... Are you sure it's real? Well... That they're getting shot. I'm watching it I've right seen now. a whole lot of um, people get shot in movies. Mm-hmm. 
and I've seen stuff that they've made look pretty real and it doesn't feel the same. Mm -hmm. Oh, they, they bound the guy behind their, behind their back. Yeah. It's it's like if you have a training exercise with soldiers in an abandoned building and you run up through and you got to clear the building, that's the concept. But yet these kids, which who look 15, 12, whatever, they're all armed, which the other thing, they're shooting around each other and none of them get hit, which that part's a little bit strange. But like they'll come up on a guy and like back him into a corner, then shoot him. Shoot him in the leg till he lays down, then shoot him in the head. Or it's it's disgusting. And if it's true, it's terrifying. The production level is dynamite, though. Mm. Yeah, I saw the first one. The the very last one is the most. That's where I was. I think convinced. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, people that. This just takes it to a whole new level. I mean, of evil. I mean, this is crazy. The other piece that I thought was interesting was the lack of any emotion from these kids. I wonder if they're drugged at all. I don't know. Or they've just been brought up for the last years as little kids that this is what you do. You're yeah. around this death. People get shot all the time. Yep. One thing you need to look at is the recoil of the rifles. Oh, there are pistols. And they're they're pistols. All, and there's yeah. shells kicking out of them. And it looks so real. It's it's more real than any movie I've ever seen. Did you see the guy that shot himself on Snopes? No. It, It's pretty undramatic. I guess it was real. Hmm. He's in he's in an inter interrogation room in a police station. Oh, I've seen that one. He went through several people and Yeah. They gave him a bottle of water and they left. He took a drink of water and he reached in his pants and pulled out his enormous pistol. It was a forty five. Shot wow. himself in the head. How did <laughs> How did that pistol get mm. through all those handoffs? Well, it's one thing to, you know, see something from a security camera kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But this is like cinema grade. Well, but that security camera was very good. I mean, you... Yeah, I mean, yeah but it positioning, was, it's up in the corner of the room kind yeah. of thing. You, you know, can see it like really well. This is like at the kid's level, it's, you know, looking back. Yeah. You know, and you know it's produced to the point where there's times when they're the camera is in the gun barrel looking back at the kid and then the next shot is the turning in and then they shoot the guy so there's a ton of pre-production but I mean if I was I mean I feel bad for uh, well obviously you feel bad for it but they're getting shot they're not getting burned alive you know Uh, yep I know what you're oh why is that kid holding Oh my goodness. And I'm sure it's if you're 
they've been taught that if you're a good Muslim, that... You get 72 raisins. I mean, virgins. <laughs> oh, my god! I just... That was... It's so... If it's not real, this is the best fake I've ever seen. Oh. Yeah, no, this What's is What's the purpose of it? Just to I, scare, Panic, terror. terror. Oh, it's got to be. I don't know. Show, uh, hey, showing that our young kids and that even our even our children are deadly. Mm-hmm. So if you come up against us, you'll yeah, our kids are capable of. <clears throat> wow, I got a minute and a half left. Uh, it makes you, it makes you sick, and it makes you. Uh, He jumped off the building? Oh my... Uh. Wow. Yeah, that is interesting, the way they, they shoot. You can tell whoever has done this is trained to make movies. I know the John Birch Society used to show graphic films mm-hmm. of... Uh, the communists, what they did, recruiting tools for for John Birch members. I don't know what this is for. I don't nine know millimeter full metal jacket. Wow. Well, that's crazy. So, on a high note. <laughs> Jesus is still Lord. That is right. <clears throat> I don't know what the point of that kind of propaganda is. Kind of other than just locker evil, room talk in a guess. video way. No. The Clarion Project dot mm. org. And they The guy that waterboarded that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed got a lot of stuff out of him. He asked him, "When you when you cut off the head of Daniel Pearl, what did that did that make you think anything?" And he said, "No, I had a really sharp knife, so it was pretty easy. Just uh, it's callous, like, like not human, unhuman, no. no human emotion, weird." But then, I mean, think back for thousands of years like Genghis Khan would come through and kill everybody and I mean he didn't do it as yeah so or the Nazis or there are times that require people to step out of their comfort zone to step up for justice tolerance and moderation we know going in that the repercussions of taking action will draw a rain of accusations and attacks 
from the forces we are confronting. We do it anyway. We do it because it must be done. Founded in 2006, the Clarion Project is an independently funded nonprofit organization dedicated to exposing the dangers of Islamist extremism while providing a platform for the voices of moderation and promoting grassroots activism. Clarion's award-winning movies have been seen by over 50 million people. They grapple with issues such as religious persecution, human rights, women's rights, the dangers of a nuclear Iran, and what the concept of jihad means for the West. Our dynamic website, viewed by 2.6 million unique visitors in 2015, covers breaking news, provides expert analysis on relevant issues, and acts as a platform for Muslim human rights activists. Clarion Project draws together Middle East experts, scholars, human rights activists, and Muslims to promote tolerance and moderation and challenge extremism. The guy that posted this to the group I'm in said, production quality on this is as crazy as the subject matter. Mm. And someone posted, this is hilarious that anyone is trying to pass this off as real. Those shots require several takes. Yes, they do. But the actual shooting of well. them takes... Another person responded to that and said, dude, as someone who works in post, your reaction is someone's whose critical factor has never seen this on real life and doesn't know how to judge. This happens all the time in visual effects about something where we have to render something with incorrect physics because the audience's mind doesn't think the real thing looks right. Blood bubbling out of the head wound like that. You think that's CGI? Do you yeah, have any no. idea what it would take to create that? The other thing is that the pooling of the blood on the ground, and it automatically starts separating some of the blood and water. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's blood. Mm -hmm. You see Schindler's List? Mm-hmm. Mm -mm. There's a lot of people getting shot in that mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I watched it and with the eye of how did they do that because it's a movie obviously they didn't shoot people in the head mm -hmm. and it doesn't look well I've never seen anybody shot in the head mm -hmm. but it didn't look like it should it looked like it was fake and maybe I thought that because I knew it was but um, they would have you know red of course it was a black and white so they didn't have red; they had black going out into the snow, and um, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, cool as far as pretty realistic, but it didn't seem didn't make you like, oh, gross. What, turn your one head thing: away. one of the people that got shot in the head in that video, they when somebody gets shot, I mean, they just immediately collapse, mm -hmm. and the way they collapse if they're standing straight up is not it's going to hurt. If you do it yourself, they don't fall backwards. They just yeah. crumple down unless, you know, there's momentum pushing. And one of them, it was like, okay, yeah, he got, yeah, he got hit in the head because it was just boom down on the ground. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. 
and that's what brains look like because I've yeah seen it right and that's something you you don't build that into a yeah. a dummy yeah and the, <clears throat> yeah just the way the muscles respond and react to the impacts is haha yeah who were the dummies just bad other, guys um Al Qaeda members that weren't good enough or I don't know yeah. They were Middle Eastern people. Yeah. Yep. This guy says the whole thing is produced for a hyper real video game cool factor. They're still shooting people and then producing shots to bring it over the top. And that that's exactly what it looked like. And you know it might be um a uh uh a promotion video of ISIS for crazy Maybe. people who wanna Because you know uh, Hey, are you into shooting people? <laughs> Do you like walking around to the captive? Well, you know, in in prison, Islam is increasing dramatically because I mean, it's the perfect religion if you're mm-hmm. if if you're a bloodthirsty person. That you mean I get to kill infidels and I get to rape the women and do whatever I want and that's good and God likes that and I'm gonna go to heaven and rape women for all eternity. Hey, I'm in. You know. Oh man, <clears throat> this guy breaks down by minute, time frame, time code. His Hollywood, he said, I'm going to put on my visual effects producer hat on and critique this as if it was another Hollywood artist. He said, 1802, very motivated recoil. Physics, very believable. 4304, very good motivated muzzle flash on the door. Recoil, very motivated. And fits well in the tween frame where motion blur is following the weapon. 4624. Good muzzle flash. Very subtle. Nice touch. Source camera is clearly struggling to expose the image, so motion blur is exaggerated through the prolonged exposure. 13808. Definitely a two-camera setup. Muzzle fire moves identical through both frames. Hardly visible, but caught in the motion blur. FYI, frame through it. Frame through it and tell me this is digital. It's not. 142.11. Props department had too much fun with B-roll on bloody wall for effect. Notice this was not part of the two-camera setup, but added for effect. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, 14602. Baked in optical effect after the wound. Slight defocus to focus. Props department added in some blood in the background. But look at how the tissue is moving with the pressure of the blood. Smoke and camera and motivated very well moving around his head. 201.12. Yeah, who are you even kidding? These are kids firing guns. Look at how it recoils. The physics of the shell flying out. Shell even bounces off the door. You're looking at work that is costing industrial light and magic millions and months right now if you even entertain this as a fake. Yeah, so his point is to make that fake would cost to be outrageous and the time it would take to do that is ridiculous. Hmm. Some of them um, you have the the video on the guy who's going to get shot Mm -hmm. and it's real close so they must be holding him and and then 
taken the video of them walking up the stairs and going right. around so the room yeah, separate. Yeah, there's a ton of, of but the actual ex- execution. The actual execution, it's got to be real. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, <clears throat> and some people who who uh, say that some of the other execution videos are fake, I don't know why they would think that they would be fake. Well, the the arguments that I've seen and heard about that, like the one where they um, had the guy uh, bound in that cage and they lit it on fire. Yeah. The there's a multi camera shoot with all slow mo stuff and they lit yep. it on fire quick and then it's slow motion and it zoomed in and you never I mean that one was more so because at one point you saw a body burning, but you didn't you know they built up the terror factor a lot, yep. um, you know when they did uh, there was a couple of them where they you know behead the guy in the desert. Yep. Well, that <laughs> beheading someone with a three inch knife is stupid. Hmm. Um. The way it's lit, there was just a lot that oh. indicated green screen work, and that you know. They but they're not show. saying that they didn't kill him. They're just saying not, they may, didn't. Maybe video. not. Or, but I don't. I don't they get didn't the whole kill point him right there. Yeah, the, the, I I don't get the point of, well, they didn't kill the person. I mean, I don't get that. That seems like for some people, or like Sandy Hook. Mm-hmm. Oh, those kid children aren't dead. Well, any psychopath that's going to do this thing or if it actually happened which i believe it happened but if say say i say it Prove didn't it. have it but any psychopath who wants to push that do you think they care about children it would even be better if you killed children no i you know gonna, what i mean i mean the issue with sandy hook is more logistics in terms of well how, how do you do that how do you shoot that well how do you get that much done and but if he wasn't like an mk ultra okay but well trained okay but I mean, the the coroner said he shot him all with a long gun. Mm-hmm. They found that weapon in the back of his car, not on him. So, so, so the guy, the way they got shot supposedly was not even with the correct weapon that the guy had. So then so they would happened? say he didn't shoot him. That some like Blackwater people. Who knows? Do you, do you realize the level of crazy, and to, for grown men to go in and gun down children? just to promote some minor little thing. I mean... Well, a gun control agenda is not minor. Well, yeah, but but that's just one work. event. You, so that means you're going to have to find somebody who's stable enough to go in and kill all these children, but not... but if Again, but then you have to assume that those children actually died. It, you see, I, there, I, don't there get, are no, I don't get the point when of Colorado, it. When Columbine happened, mm-hmm. we, you can find pictures... Yep. All over inside that place. Mm-hmm. Can you find a picture inside Sandy Hook? No, but no. I think you could no. make the case no. that they tamped down more. No. And they they're ch- able to tamp they down They tore more. the building down. It's gone. Okay. Everybody working on the site was required to sign an NDA <clears throat> that said you will not take a picture. You will not talk about what you see here. You will not take anything from here. Ever. So then- Why? Why? What, what in the world is there to hide? You cannot say, well, it's too hurt. It's too hard for people to hear because it was kids. That is crap. That is not an argument. Unless an event happened. What? I don't know. I don't know what the event is, but maybe um, maybe a, a, a senator had a kid who went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and killed a bunch of people, and they're covering it up. Do you know what I mean? Okay. 
So, so maybe that kid didn't kill him, but somebody killed him. And maybe they're covering up in another event that happened. Now, I could, I could say, okay, that's po yeah, that's possible. But to say that it didn't happen and the kids aren't dead and all the other kind of stuff, to me, it, it is insane to believe that, that it couldn't happen. If you stop and think about it, um, just because of where it's at, and it's going to come out. It's going to come out. S some neighbor, somebody in that town is going to know tons of people that were there. Or they're going to go, hey, that's not that person. My son... My son, you know, I've been going here for however long. I'm a teacher there. I was a teacher there, but I'm retired. Do you know what I mean? Well, it, to me, to me, that is, is so has, much more complicated. But there has been some of that. Yeah, but and, I think that, and the again, the, this is where media matters. <laughs> not not media matters. <laughs> hey, um, but that's why the media telling the story or not telling the story. Why did the media say they would not play the 911 call? from that event why well we listen to it but it's too disturbing well it's not i heard it it's not disturbing what's disturbing about it there's nothing play it i, I know why are we hiding it at a conference they had the head dispatcher was there at the conference speaking and she was an older lady she's probably in her mid-60s kind of frumpy lady who was head of the dispatch and talked about the events from beginning to end. <clears throat> now, I guess you could say she's a liar, she's a this, she's a that. Um, I didn't get that at all. And if this was actually one of those events, this this conference is not a conference that anybody can go to. You have mm -hmm. to be in a certain type of field to go to it. Why she would come, why would they have her? There's other shootings. There's other events. Why would they allow her to come and talk about something that was an absolute fake to people that deal with these tor these sort of things? It doesn't make any sense to me. It seems like... But actually, it does make sense. No, no. No, absolutely, absolutely not. And the reason why, the reason why it doesn't make sense is that there are so many possibilities for things to come out. You would just say, no, you can't go to those things. No, you can't talk that. If you're part of this conspiracy, you're not talking about it. And and the thing is, if she hadn't have come, nobody would say, hmm, how come we haven't had a speaker from Sandy Hook? Nobody would say that. If, if, if somebody didn't go out and start talking about it, who's going to go, how come there isn't people out there talking about it? You just wouldn't think about it. It happened. Now you move on with your life. But to have somebody come in and start talking about it and maybe bring something up that might trigger somebody to think about something or go and investigate, it seems like it would open up way too many cans of worms. So why even allow her? But why Why doesn't it make sense to bring someone who could be an official, this is the line that is true, in quotes, to come in and to get that out there? This is the line. That but, way, but that way, when anyone else would come out and say, oh, no, 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 over here, we've had, at these closed-door meetings, we've had the lady tell us the story. But these so are you the are people. crazy. It can't be true no. because this lady said it was this way. No, 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 because that wasn't the event. These are the people that are either going to respond to these events or they're going to manage the events, mm -hmm. okay? Okay, you wouldn't even have to bring her in. You wouldn't even have to because if they were managing event, that Homeland Security or somebody is secretively 
doing something crazy or some CIA, you're not going to be managing the event. You're not going to be a part of the event. You might show up because something happened and they're going to go, no, we, we're, we're taking care of this and we can't. you can't talk to anybody about it. To me, it just seems like it would make it way too complicated and it would make it so much easier for people to um, find out what actually happened. That's that's my point, if it didn't happen. Now, if there was a shooting, and then they come in and they're going, okay, we thought it was this guy, but it's actually the senator's son who went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and he killed these other people, okay, we got to cover this sucker up. And um, now we got to find a body, and okay, you got to kill his mom too, because that's what killers, you know, or whatever. But to go into a school and just shoot up, kill 26 people, just with the hope that maybe you could do something with gun rights and and suppress the ability to buy guns, I don't buy it. I don't buy it for that. Now, I could be- potentially believe another conspiracy, but I can't believe that those kids <laughs> did not die there. That's the that's the thing. Okay. That that was that's my. Are we back? <laughs> Gonna cut that one out. <laughs> well, <clears throat> apparently we don't entertain any outside thought here. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm quit, not saying. I'm quit. just giving my opinion about it. Yes. I think. I think. I I think that maybe uh, a UFO could have come down and actually done the killing. <laughs> oh, and see, then, then, then you're just gonna go over the top lunacy. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a dirty bomb. Maybe that's what it was. <clears throat> uh, okay. We're going to wrap up here. It's yep. getting late. Um, but this is the David Allen Show, and this could be a fun little uh, a, uh, a exit wound. That sounds bad. <laughs> this could be um, as we go forward here. Hey, no. Mm, so hold on. Yes, we know. This is in Dutch. <clears throat> We'll see if it will. Mm-hmm. He talks Dutch for yeah. quite a while. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. This is a message from the government of the Netherlands. Dear Mr. President, welcome to this introduction video about the Netherlands. It's going to be a great video. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Our founding father was William of Orange, who fought against the Spanish, the Spanish, total scumbags. They fought against us for 80 years, but they couldn't beat us. Couldn't do it. Total losers. They're all dead now, by the way. We speak Dutch. It's the best language in Europe. We've got all the best words. All the other languages failed. Danish total disaster. German is not even a real language. It's fake. It's a fake language. We've got Pony Park Slagharen, which has got to be the best pony park in the world. It's true. They're the best ponies. They are. You can ride them. You can date them. You can grab them by the pony. This is the Afslapdijk. It's a great, great wall that we built to protect us from all the water from Mexico. (laughs) We built an entire ocean, okay? An entire ocean between us and Mexico. 
nobody builds oceans better than we do. This ocean, it is so big, you can even see it from the moon. And we made the Mexicans pay for it. It's true. You've got the Trump Towers. We've got Lee Towers. We've got Maduro Dam, which is the greatest miniature town in the world. It's great. Well, it's tiny, but it's great. And the squares, they're so small, you don't even need many people to fill them. It's great. <laughs> this is Gerry Eikhoff. In December, we've got this scandalous tradition of Black Pete. It's the most offensive, the most oh, racist oh, oh. thing you've ever seen. You'll love it. It's great. <laughs> we also have a disabled politician for you to make fun of. Her name is Yetta Kleinsma. She's from the Ministry of Silly Walks. You can do a great impersonation of her. Can't wait to see it. People tell us, very important people, they tell us we've got the best tax evasion system God ever created. It's just unbelievable. You should tell your sons to put all your, sorry, their businesses <laughs> here. You'll pay no taxes at all. Zero. It's ridiculous. And last but not least, we've got a great, great, great dependency on the United States. It's huge. If you screw NATO, you're going to make our problems great again. They're going to be huge. They're going to be enormous. It's true. Please don't. We totally understand. It's going to be America first. But can we just say the Netherlands second? Okay? <laughs> Thank you for watching. That's great. Best wishes. We've got the best wishes in the Netherlands. They're great. It's true. <laughs> that was great. Oh man, what, what what was that from? Uh, a Dutch television show. <laughs> wow, that's kind of funny. That was really good. Mm -hmm. It's clever, and see, that's okay. That's good. Mm -hmm. Funny. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of mocking, but yep. in good humor. Yeah, that's great. Yep, that's something Frank Caliendo would do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. All right. See if I can find one more thing here. End of the mall, you see the railing on the top. It says, "Don't lean on the railing." Why? Somebody did <laughs> fell off. We got to get a sign up, man. People are dying. People are falling off the railing. Like pretty soon, there's gonna be a sign like, "No kids in the gorilla cage." Like. <laughs> I'm just saying that, listen, <laughs> that gorilla was the central attraction of the Cincinnati Zoo that brings in $150 million of revenue a year. I looked it up, $150 million of revenue a year. All I'm saying is this kid better go on to be successful. <laughs> like if he's 25 and working at Chipotle, we made a bad investment. <laughs> Everybody's like, that? I can't believe you would say, what, how would you feel if you were sitting in your office in your cubicle and a tiger walked in and they shot you? <laughs> You'd be like, I was at work. <laughs> I was at Tuesday afternoon at 9.45. I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. What? <laughs> Everybody's getting on the gorilla, man. Everybody's getting on the gorilla. I'm like, dude. 
First of all, you saw that video? That kid was sitting in the corner, very well behaved, very, very respectful, very responsive. That was the only discipline that kid had had in weeks. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, man. He's funny. John Christ, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hu- humorist, come- comedian. Comedian, 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 comedian. That's mm-hmm. what we do. Uh, yep. Come eat me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, is the David Dutch? Allen Show. Yes, it is Dutch. <laughs> it's not Danish. Oh. Although, isn't that a... Danish. A, no, Danish is sweet? Denmark. Oh, no, it's oh, not. Oh, yes, 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 yes. A sweet, glazed eating thing. Eating thing. <laughs> eating thing, yeah. Uh-huh. A glazed a eating Dutch thing. A Dutch treat. Ooh, yes. <laughs> That's racist, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> This is the David Allen Show. Thanks for hanging out with us. You know what we didn't talk at all about? Trump. Trump. Or the Women's March. Or the Women's March. And the March for Life that happened yesterday in D.C. So next week we'll have to touch on that a little bit. Uh, I have a couple thoughts that are intriguing about the Women's March and that it's not really about that. Um, uh, Are you going to say it didn't happen? Is that right? (laughs) Well, the news did report it. Uh, No, uh, JCD... John Dvorak from uh, the No Agenda Show made a rather enlightening uh, little insight, or maybe it was Adam, one of the two, um, that the march was really awake for Hillary. That's all it was. Huh. So, if you look at it that way, it's perfect. Let's Makes do, perfect sense. Yeah. Wow. So awake for Hillary. Huh. All right. DavidAllenShow.com. Um, next week, we will have an alternative uh, live date. It could be later in the day on Saturday or uh, another day in the week. Not sure. But mm-hmm. uh, if you uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, it'll come up as soon as we get it live. It'll get a little dinger at you and say, hey, Hi. we're here. We're here. Uh, if you want to send us a message, Show at gmail.com. Any last words? Uh, no. Let's keep it traditional. Okay. Uh, talk to you later, Claude. You're doing a good job at the NSA. Uh, and toodles. Omega. Have a good week. <laughs>